0: It's time!
1: What's up everybody? It's Mike Grosh here. Today is December 9th. Welcome to the 4th edition of Making the Walk podcast, hosted by Mike Grosh and Andrew Lee. Lee, how you doing today, buddy?
2: Pretty good. How about you, man? Uh, Pretty good, you know.
1: Another shitty day of work, but that's okay. That's okay because we are back. You might be back. For a betting podcast, I have notoriously been missing out on bets. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Uh, We got a pretty big show actually coming up for you today. Really excited for this one. Uh, Of course, we have a quick review of Fight Night 44. That was at the Apex this past weekend. And then for the very first interview ever on making the walk we have jason doogie joining us very excited for that and of course we'll be rounding it off with a preview of ufc 269 where we got two title fights amanda nunez and juliana pena and we also have charles oliveira going against dustin poye
2: all right so starting off the review for vegas 44 hey man i it, it was really nice to get back and do a card that we were excited and looking forward to watching. I mean, after that Tate, uh, I, I hate to keep bringing it up, but that, that Tate fight card, that was boring.
1: Yeah, I'll be honest. This, one's, this one was a lot more exciting. I actually had a lot of fun um, re-watching the fights on the toilet at work. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, we got some good flashy KOs, some solid fights, and honestly, to round it off, a fantastic uh, co-main and main event.
2: Yeah, man, so starting it off, we had Vince Morales knocking out Luis Smolka. Obviously, we chose Luis Smolka to win on a double-chance knockout or decision for plus 110 odds. Didn't go our way. Um, Very quick knockout there, knockout within the first round with 258 to go. Kind of a close fight there. Smolka clinched, landed a couple knees when Morales broke, uh, decided to land a huge right hook, and he was saying that he was drilling that on the break with him. Um, You know, it was just kind of a a crazy flash knockout. You know, I guess I didn't really see that coming from Morales. No, I mean, it it was a little bit surprising,
1: especially with how fast uh, it it ended, you know, in the first round. Uh, I thought Morales looked more active than Smoka outside that clinch. Um, He looked clean, too. I'll, I'll tell you, when he caught him with that right hook, I feel like Smoka just took his eyes off of him for a second. And he maybe got caught a little bit outside, um, but yeah, just right at the right second, got him dropped him, and um, I got to be honest too, it, it's hard to tell where these two are at with how with how the fight went. You know, being so fast, um, sometimes when I'm looking at guys' futures, I like to t- I tend to look for a longer fight just to kind of you know see who they might fight next or you know what's what could be their future.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Felt pretty good about that. Luis Smoka was ranked quite a bit higher uh, compared to Vince Morales in the rankings uh, worldwide. If you kind of look at some websites, um, yeah. Obviously, you know we we don't get them all right. Uh, that was that was a tough one.
1: Yeah, I will say though, fantastic performance for Morales. I mean, I think for as short as it was, I thought it was a super clean performance.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, 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 he definitely outpaced um Smulka throughout the fight however long it really lasted but uh like we said it was not, it, I, I wasn't happy with how it ended but it was it was kind of nice to see a finish
1: yeah yeah it was a good change of pace from the last weekend
2: <laughs> all right so moving on to the Azamat Muzik- Muzikhanov Muzakhanov versus Jared Vendura fight this was actually canceled vendura was a late um step in uh he had called He had joined the fight card with about a week's notice and uh he wasn't able to pass medical clearance you know before these fights and i don't know if a lot of you guys know this but uh the doctors do need to clear these guys and make sure that they are actually physically capable of stepping into the cage so wasn't able to get clearance so they scrapped the fight and uh really got rid of one of our our more secure bets i mean the, the the money line on that was kind of it wasn't very favorable but we, we had chosen uh, Merzikhanov by a knockout, and he had scored, I think, roughly 70% of his wins by knockouts as a pro, and most of them in the UFC, so um, kind of lost some, some ability to make money there. Stop watching the game. I'm sorry. No, I'm still <laughs> paying attention.
1: Yeah, I remember uh, Jason actually texted me. He's like, where did all your guys' bets go? Is this one got canceled? I believe was another one canceled, too, or is, am I thinking of something?
2: It, it did. We'll, we'll get to it. Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> Yeah, that was uh it was unfortunate. It was I won't say the L word, but it was looking pretty solid. Let's see. Alright, guys. Uh moving on to the next one that we had, uh Claudio is it Poyez? Poies. Poyez. Poyez, sorry. Poyez defeated or subs Chris Grutzemacher. Uh, our pick was money Moneyline minus one ten. Um I mean as far as me watching this fight I thought Pueyes dominated on top round one. Uh, I will say this, though. He had absolutely horrific takedown setups. Um, it was actually very hard for me to watch. Not not actually, but, you know, coming from a wrestling background, I like to see a nice, clean takedown. Definitely easier for the fighter to get it, too. Um, I don't know about you. I thought Grutzmacher might have won round two. Um, but, yeah, I thought the sub was really, really clean. Pretty nasty, too if you remember that one.
2: I actually wasn't able to watch these first couple of fights. I was coaching a game. Um, however, it, it, I mean, looking at the, uh, looking at the stats here real quick, both of them landed one takedown. Uh, Claudio Paz was one of eight, but that's really all he needed to be able to control um, the amount of ground time in this fight. Uh, and really, it seemed like Chris Grootsmacher really just couldn't get his plan going. Yeah. I mean, it, it looked like he was struggling a little bit. Uh, he got pretty busy. I, I, I
1: could be wrong, but I believe it was the second round. I mean, I only watched it like two days ago and on Saturday. Uh, my memory is just going away. I don't know why. I'm only 25. But, yeah, I just feel like Puey has dominated. Uh, he, he put on a good show. He landed a less total strikes but more significant strikes throughout the fight.
2: Yeah, and, I mean, the the one takedown that Grutzmacher actually landed. So they, they went to the ground, and Grutzmacher... Ended up... They they kind of scrambled a bit, it looked like, and then...
1: Was that the one where he tried to pull guard? Or uh, he tried to go for a leg lock off a single leg? Or was that a different fight? That might have been the Rydell fight. I'm mistaken. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) See? Memory.
2: Gone. (laughs) So, yeah, now... So, so... Grutzmacher went in for the single, uh, for a takedown, landed the takedown, and there was a quick scramble. Poyas ended up getting Grutzmacher's leg, put him in a knee bar, and that's his second knee bar finish in the UFC, uh, coming in the third round at 3:25. Um, so now Claudio Poyas is on a four-fight win streak. Uh, a young prospect looking to come up through that division.
1: Yeah.
2: Moving on to the next
1: one, guys. We had uh, Cheyenne Villismas defeating Mallory Martin by decision our pick was uh Velismus by let's see KO TKO DQ plus 500 uh Velismus money line minus 160 uh we got pretty much the same notes on this one as far as i can see i think they both look good but uh Valismas looked so much faster and so much uh had much better pace uh, her striking is like absolutely ridiculous in my opinion in this fight
2: yeah, uh, a bit of a frustrating loss as far as betting goes. I mean, Vlismas landed a hundred and thirty-four significant strikes of her hundred and forty-six total strikes. Whoop that ass! <laughs> With The fifty-four percent accuracy. Yeah, she was,
1: she was coming at it. She was really putting it on Mallory Martin the whole three rounds.
2: I mean, Mallory Martin, you gotta you, you gotta give props to her for having a chin like that. I mean, it, uh, it, that's that was tough. Um, it seemed like at any moment that fight could have been finished, but. She kept it standing. Mallory Martin did a decent job of getting the fight into the clinch, I guess. But all of her takedowns were really just kind of lazy. Oh for five on the day. Yeah. Um, and was, I
1: will say too, I think Velismus uh, really did a good job. It was mentioned in the commentary too, uh, but her footwork, constantly moving, constantly bouncing. I mean, they went all three rounds, and she was bouncing around after the fight.
2: Yeah, just great sticking and moving. And, and, and was the, that two was, weeks notice after COVID? Yeah, she she got COVID. Passed her tests and then 2 weeks out just after recovering from it her cardio looked great and that was a big concern going into that fight but it's fucking insane. It looked really good. All right, on to the next fight. We took Brian Barberena to defeat Darian Weeks and that was the result we got. We took Barberena's money line and basically a pick him. He was a minus 115. Uh close fight. Weeks uh, Weeks had secured two takedowns. or Excuse me, four takedowns. Was 4 of 8 on the uh on that fight and he ended up landing uh, more significant strikes than Bar- Brian Barberena, But, um, I-, I mean, the, all the every takedown that Weeks got, Barbarana was was able to get back to the feet. Yeah, he, he was pretty much
1: getting right back up. Um, I scored 1-3 and three for Barberena, So I could see that uh, the first round with those inside leg kicks, so nasty. And then you see him come away from it in the second and then follow up with it in the third and start hitting those again. Let's see how many leg strikes he had. Let's see. Bad radio. Uh, there we go. Yeah, 23 total leg strikes. And I think all of them were on that left leg on the inside. Maybe a few on the outside. It was abs- I-, I don't know how Weeks was walking. And like we mentioned last week, this is his UFC debut. Uh, Weeks' UFC debut. I actually thought he looked pretty solid, you know, going up against a seasoned veteran and Brian Barberena.
2: Yeah, I thought he looked pretty good. He held his own, and he was five and zero in professional fighting on the uh, regional scene. So not really a guy who you can call like a tomato cannon. I think he proved um, right there that he definitely belongs in. He, he definitely belongs in the. Uh, he, he belongs in in the UFC. I think.
1: Yeah, I love, I honestly can't wait for him to fight again. Um, I thought the fight was a little like more towards Barbara in his favor in terms of style, sloppy a um, lot of swinging. You know, you could tell both guys were feeling it by the third, but that's just how it goes. And I really think Barbarina thrived in that third round to secure the win.
2: Yeah, so really happy with that uh that outcome there. Uh so going into the main card, uh or excuse me, actually we there was one uh fight that we did take a bet on that did get cancelled. Jake Matthews versus Jeremiah Williams. Uh, or Jeremiah Wells excuse me Jeremiah Wells Cornerman tested positive for covid 19 so that was basically a fight day dropout um, again another scrapped fight that we had t- <laughs> that we took I feel like uh it, it's about two or three every card that we take where we feel pretty confident to pick and
1: uh, we just gotta bet on more fights that's just plain and simple
2: <laughs> Just losing capital opportunity here. all right so now on to the main fight card um, to start off the to start off the main, uh, Alex Morano took on Mickey Gall and defeated him by decision. We took Murano by decision for plus 100. Uh, I, Let's I mean, go. <laughs> that one felt a little too easy almost. Uh, yeah. I mean, it stayed on the feet, like you have mentioned
1: here, it, for all three rounds. You know Mickey Gall wants to go to the ground. I don't think – was there even a takedown attempt? Let's I mean, see.
2: I, I mean, Oops. Mickey. all but one of Mickey Gall's wins uh, have come – it, it, he, all but one of his wins have, in professional fighting have been by rear naked choke. I did not know that. Yeah, and, and Alex Morano has proven in the past that he has done a pretty good job with, even when he does get taken down, he gets to the feet very quickly. So, I, I mean, this seemed like a very big mismatch on paper, and we saw it there. Especially on the feet, Alex Morano looked much cleaner. 90 of his 93 strikes were significant, as opposed Oof. to Mickey Gall's 65 of 69. I mean, Nice. It, it, the pace was <laughs> the the pace does seem a little. It, it did seem a bit higher than what the numbers would say, but um, just kind of a, a a really clean performance there from uh, Alex Morano. Gall did he did do some work in the end of that third round there, getting into the clinch, kind of cutting off the cage for Alex Morano not to be able to work that striking. But uh, it seemed like too little, too late.
1: Yeah, it's, especially with that uh, drop in the first round, with like probably the most. Perfectly timed jab in the whole entire fight card, just yeah. absolutely dropping him. Um, yeah, congrats to Alex Morono. It's three in a row for him now, so we should start seeing him fighting in the top ten. Hopefully,
2: I, I would think so. Um, the thing is that 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 division so It's twelve uh, it? to eight. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So they got they got a good amount of talent in that top ten. And yeah, and way. plenty
1: of those guys aren't fighting right now too. So you know, number eight, number nine, number seven. Who knows? And Alex Morono is as game as they come to.
2: Just let that man loose. All right, so on to the, the underdog pick that we took that I was really excited for. I thought that, um, you, you know, that this guy doesn't get enough credit every time he fights pretty much. And, you know, Brandon Allen, I think he's a really good fighter. Um, but Chris Curtis, he has beaten odds makers twice this year to improve to 5-0 and o in the calendar year of 2021. Um, you know, it, I think he's won six of his last seven too. I believe so, yeah. and uh, I'm I'm all aboard. I'm all aboard the the Curtis train. Yeah, he's got some fucking power too. Not to mention, I mean, he, this fight and his previous fight with uh, Phil Hawes just mm. shows. I mean, he is never out of a fight. He always has a puncher's chance, and I don't think, I, I really don't think he was winning this fight. I think. It, it, you look at the numbers and you think, "Wow, he really outstruck him." But I think majority of these, that lead and strikes that he gained were all in that that ending sequence. Yeah,
1: the ending sequence, and you know, working the body throughout the fight, and actually using it, I think, to set up that finish that he got. Uh, one thing I will say for Allen, though, this was the one I was talking about earlier, where um, uh, they went, they were in for on a high crotch, and they backed off and tried to get a leg lock. I was like, you have a high crotch against the cage. My only thought is every time Habib has been in that situation where you just go to where the leg isn't and you circle and you take him down, instead he goes for the leg lock and Chris Curtis ends on top. And that's, that was the end of the round, too. So the judges see Chris Curtis pounding down on uh, Brandon, Brendan Allen and it probably maybe might have won him round one in some judges' eyes. We don't know. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and you mentioned that Chris Curtis early invested in that body work and, and you um when you invest early in that body it 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 changes the, the mind of the defense of the the fighter you're inflicting that on. Yeah, so they've dropped they the a little bit. Right. They said dropping their guard a bit, so then he came up with that right hook. Um, you know, he's a long guy, much he's a little bit longer than Brandon Allen was able to kind of extend that right hand out and caught him right on the butt and knocked him down and uh, they clinched. And then he got that knee to the head, and it was, oh, it was yeah. really nice. It was yeah. a nice finish. So, hey, I, I win for us there at plus 240 on the Curtis money line. Jeez. it's Congrats to uh, Chris Curtis. Fantastic job. Yeah, I mean, the, for a guy who signed with the UFC with $10 in his bank account, kind of, I mean, that's just a guy that you that's, constantly...
1: That's a whole lot of belief in yourself. Holy shit.
2: I, 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 I heard that story. thought that that was really cool. Um, so, on to this, the badass of the night. Clay Guida defeats Leo Santos. Shit, I forgot to write notes for that one, but I do remember this one. <laughs> he, Mike Mike took notes on every
1: single fight. Yeah, not not just the ones we bet on the entire card. And but, I, because I for, I forget things, you know, and I wanted to be well prepared today. I, we can't be fucking around
2: anymore. More importantly, myself. <laughs> so he took notes on every single fight except for one of the ones that we did that we bet on. Yeah, but I, I remember this fight. It,
1: <laughs> it went in typical Clay Guida fashion.
2: Yeah, I mean, Clay Guida tried pressuring right away, got caught um, with kind of in that length of Leo Santos, and this fight started forty six to nothing significant strikes in two (laughs) minutes. Two minutes, Leo Santos landed forty six strikes, and he only finished with sixty five in the entire fight. He he gassed himself. That's good for me. Stop watching the football game and talking about it. I got money on it. They can't see it. It's fine. (laughs)
1: <laughs> anyway no you're you're absolutely right it, it's it's absolutely ridiculous forty six in his strikes gassed himself <clears throat> clay guida being clay guida cardio king still a hell of a chin on him too holy shit
2: yeah and, and uh keith peterson just gave him every chance and uh had that, i don't know how that stopped that fight wasn't stopped but i'm very happy it wasn't yeah um so and and Michael Bisping always talks about the importance of cardio. And we talked about that last week that Santos' cardio at the age he's at, he's 41 years old, starting to wane on him a bit. And it, it showed there how important that really is just because you can be the most talented guy in the world, but if you gas out, you to- you instantly turn into a, a punching bag.
1: Yeah. And I I have noticed something throughout the last couple of years, watching these fights almost religiously besides the last couple of weeks. Um, a lot of these, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioners, their matches in in BJJ are like twenty minutes long. They have so much time, and they're working. They're sometimes I feel like they are so used to that pace that when they're forced to actually sprawl, that you get them, uh, you get them against the wall, basically, metaphorically, sometimes literally in the cage, and they run out of gas because they they're not used to the pace, and if you put the pace on them. They're gonna gash themselves out and get submitted by somebody that obviously knows BJJ but isn't on their level.
2: Yeah, and Clay Guida went into the pre-fight meeting saying that he wanted to prove American wrestling was better than Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and he went out. Goddamn right. And submitted a seven-time Brazilian jiu-jitsu champion. I wish I could do that. <laughs> I mean, just kind of a cool moment there—a vintage fight for for old fight fans. It felt like we were watching. I mean. On the same card, we got to see Jose Aldo and Clay Guida fight. It was like it was like we were watching UFC 100 or something. And
1: <laughs> uh, UFC 100, what was the I'm blanking on the old organization. WEC? Yeah. yeah they both guys? fought in, the, in that. Dude, are we in 2008 or what? <laughs> yeah, that
2: was kind of a cool. So, um, the next fight, uh, Jimmy Crute and Jamal Hill ends our five-fight betting win streak. Uh, yeah. We were rolling there for a bit, and then all of a sudden, uh, Jamal Hill just kind of ruins our... <laughs> I was going to mention that. So, yeah, Manalytics sticks a big hit. 0-2. <laughs> mullets are, were 0-2 in this fight card. Um, Brendan <laughs> Allen and Jimmy Crute both lost. Both mullets. They looked fantastic,
1: but didn't pay off in the long run.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Hill was the much longer fighter in um, in the cage there, and he used that length very early in the round, I think I want to say within the first minute. Yeah. Jamal Hill tagged Jimmy Acroot with a right hook.
1: Yeah, you saw Acroot try to take him to the ground or uh, more than likely clinch up with him so he could catch a little, uh, get his feet back under him. Uh, and then, you know, what, a minute later got hit with the exact same strike.
2: Yeah, you would think that he would brought his guard up. But, I mean, hey, credit Jamal Hill using that length and being able to pick him apart from the outside – uh, I mean, it was that was a nasty knockout.
1: Yeah, I it I feel like uh Jamal Hill has like funky power too. Like I both those right hands were off balance. Yeah, like did. he wasn't on balance, right or left, whatever fucking one it was. Was both the same strike, same situation, off balance, basically dropped him with both of them. It's just funky, man. Him and uh, what was the Chaos Williams was very similar off balance knockouts.
2: Yeah, I mean, that was kind of a cool thing to see. Uh, Jamal Hill with a knockout at 48 seconds into the fight. Uh, Woo! Just <laughs> real quick way to lose our money there. So on to the next fight, we had Brad Riddell taking on Rafael Fazeev. This is one that I actually didn't end up telling you guys about. I, I wasn't able to...
1: We were debating on this one, I believe.
2: I think you were kind of more in the favor of Brad Riddell.
1: Yeah, because he knows how to drink beer.
2: <laughs> I was kind of more in the favor of Faziv, but I also did not confirm that, so I won't take credit for this at all. Yeah. Um, I
1: think we talked about it, but I don't think we put a bet out there. No. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah, now um, I'm remembering.
2: This was basically a pick fight in the odds books, and yeah. you could see why when you watch that. If you guys were to watch that fight back, it was, it was real close, but I think Rafael Fazeev just looked so much more comfortable
1: yeah he looked uh in my opinion calmer they both had a slow start but i think jeez i think that's because they're former training partners and teammates um obviously they know each other very very well but once they got going they were just absolutely going after each other every strike was chain multiple strikes and loud as fuck i feel like i heard every single strike in that fight and i only have one ear
2: yeah, it was it was a really fun fight to watch. It was very technical. Um at Rafael Fiziev's speed mm-hmm. was really I think the difference maker in this. And then mm-hmm. we we, we got to talk about the finish.
1: Yeah, I mean, real quick first though, the speed and uh, um in those exchanges they were ha- that they were having almost every 30 seconds, you know, they'd go at five, six strikes each, come back out and then go right back in. I, he obviously got the better of Riddell in those exchanges, and I believe it's because of his speed and his accuracy. He was really accurate. He did more damage. I mean, we saw the cuts on Riddell. The doctor had to come in and take a look at it and everything.
2: Yeah, and for that finish, crazy, crazy finish. I mean, he, Rafael Vaziv kind of baited Riddell to circle to his left, mm-hmm. and he mentioned in his post ride interview that every time Riddell circles to his left, he drops his hands.
1: Well, that's that training partner he remembers.
2: Yeah, it's one of those things you kind of get familiar with your with your training partner, but he, he saw him circle to the left, immediately kind of ducked his head, spun around with a huge wheel kick knockout, and it was kind of weird because you could see Riddell, he got hit, and then he stood there like he didn't know what was going on.
1: Yeah, it reminded me of um, Hurricane Shane when he fought uh, um, Edson Barbosa. When yeah, he got hit and just like took him ten seconds to actually fall.
2: Yeah, it was like the spirit, the the the, the fighting spirit of these guys is like, no, keep fighting, keep fighting. The brain's like, nope, yeah, the, nope, time to shut down.
1: The lights are on, but nobody's home.
2: Yeah, and you could see him kind of like put his hands up, like no, no more, and then he like was like, oh, I'm in a fight, but at that point, Herb Dean had to stop. Yeah, him. but it, you know,
1: to wrap it up real quick, there was a fantastic fight between the two of them. Um, I don't did it get fight of the night i don't Do remember know? i didn't write that okay down. yeah um, I, I mean it was i i, I think the font all fight which we'll talk about next was better but that was obviously the clear second in my
2: opinion yeah i i ended up taking rafael fazeev on a live bet there um i can't remember what i had it for but i think right before the fight or just at the beginning of it i put money on fazeev and I ended up paying it out but i i won't take credit for that yeah. I, I a remember. win's a win <laughs> we'll take it though um all right, so the main event of the night, Jose Aldo defeated Rob Font by decision. Um, I took Aldo. You did not.
1: Well, technically, I took neither of them, but I took Font on the podcast. I was wrong. You were right. That hurt to say. Genius. <laughs> Lee is apparently a genius again. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, we can't say that while we walk into this giant weekend we're about to have. <laughs> oh, why did I do that? Um, but, yeah, but I, honestly... I thought this was a fantastic fight. Um, I think Aldo did a really good job of pacing himself throughout the fight. Let's uh, show me the strike real quick if you can. Total, not not per round, but I feel like Ron was or uh, okay. Font was a lot busier, uh, but Aldo was landing those just absolutely ridiculous power strikes, dropping him at the end of the first, and so on and so forth.
2: Yeah, and I think that um, it was kind of weird in the first couple of rounds. We had discussed that the the path to victory for Jose Aldo was using those leg kicks. You know, guys that like to just live off that jab tend to put a lot of weight on that front foot and allows them to be mobile, allows them to put power into that jab. And the the, the logic behind using, you know attacking that lead leg is now he can't he can't sit down on that too much. And Jose Aldo in the beginning of the fight. Was still not using his leg kicks, something that was some somewhat of a trademark of his when he was younger. And in the corner, I believe after the second round, second or third, his corner said, "Hey, let's start attacking those legs." And I thought that was kind of a, a weird late adjustment, something that you know we we had said before the fight that he yeah, should do. it. I and feel like
1: everybody knows, like Jose Aldo's got to use leg strikes. I mean, with how vicious they are and how fast he can throw them, you would think he'd come out of the gate with them.
2: Yeah, so I mean, he like you said though, he absolutely lived behind that right hand of his. He used oh. those leg kicks to kind of disable uh, Rob Font's uh, ability to stay at range and sit and sit on that jab and was and just really sat down on those those punches. Yeah,
1: and I mean Jose Aldo looked like he had uh, fantastic conditioning for this fight and like just very zen patience, you know, waiting for his opportunity, waiting for his moment to strike. It was a war. Hats off to both gentlemen. It was fantastic to watch. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Rob Font showed his tremendous heart. He'll be back. We know that. He's he's a great fighter.
2: Yeah, it was definitely a fun one to watch. It was just a lot more... It was a lot of the fight being won by Rob Font next to minutes of Jose Aldo dominating the fight.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And and for me... It, you could tell, um, you know, you could really, it, it, you could tell by the end of it that Jose Aldo was going to win just based on the amount of times he had dropped Font and put him into a lot of problems. But it, you look at the stats; Rob Font had 149 significant strikes compared to Jose Aldo's 86. Yeah, it's just this a is, much
1: higher volume.
2: I mean, this—I I can't remember a fight the last time I looked at just the numbers and thought.
1: How the hell did this guy win? <laughs> yeah,
2: like how how did how did this happen? But it, it's I mean it's just one of those things where you really can't you can't look at numbers one hundred percent and think this is what happened. Yeah,
1: and I mean obviously Jose caused more damage, even though both of them were fighting with one eye. Oh yeah, that was, yeah, that, yeah. was weird. that was weird. Those all those was it his right eye and Font's left eye.
2: Yeah, I just, don't even I, I I when I was watching the fight, they went to the ground. Jose Aldo. Came back up and his eye was closed. Yeah, I have no idea how that happened.
1: And same with Font. There was, I think it was the fourth or fifth round when they were on the ground. Um, you could see Font's eye just close up and completely. I believe Bisping mentioned something about it, like, oh, maybe he tried to blow it out and it blew up on him.
2: Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, either way, uh, Jose suck.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: Jose Aldo does get the decision win. Um, I took Jose Aldo uh, money line for plus one thirty. Um, and that will put me at 6-4 and four on the card. I'm very happy with that, especially with a uh, basically 2-1 to one pick on uh, Chris Curtis.
1: Yeah, and um, with a couple of fights being scrapped that we had bets on.
2: Yeah, so a successful fight night again for us. Find, we, we turned it around. Uh, kind of we're back! <laughs> off to a slow start, but we were able to kind of, uh, once it got into the main card, we were pretty happy with it and um, finished it out strong. Yeah,
1: great fight night, a lot of good fights, good finishes too. It's awesome to watch.
2: All right. So I I guess we'll move on now to our very first interview uh, coming out of the podcast. Jason Doogie. Dukes.
0: And now
2: our first guest is a national champion at the AAA for the mission. He then went on to play briefly for the U.S. National Under-18 Team, Green Bay Gamblers, and eventually at UW-Madison. He logged a total of six six games with the university before graduating in May of 2021. Our very first guest, Jason Doogie. Jason, how are you?
0: What's up, boys? Are you Happy fucking kidding me? Here. Stop watching the game.
2: <laughs> no, I'm clapping for our guest,
0: man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we got the game on in the background, and Mike's watching the Patriots instead of paying attention to our guest. I Unbelievable. can't even watch the
0: game.
1: Bullshit.
2: Unbelievable, man. Come on,
1: amateur right. hour. Pat's
2: guy. And Pat's minus seven and a half, but Jason doesn't gamble. He anymore. doesn't gamble anymore. All right, so officially, are you are you done betting now? Is that it? Like, because I, I, uh, our our top picks uh, were not very good for
0: you. Um, I'm taking a hiatus, but your boy is going to be back in the Chicagoland area, so that just means I either have to throw my phone on the drive home out the window or delete the apps or I'm going to be depositing money. So I'm well, depositing money. What
1: about money. Dylan saucing you some money?
0: <laughs> what, oh, my dad? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I get my allowance every month, but we'll see if he could give me a little bit of an advance.
2: Yeah, yeah. nice little Thanksgiving kit. Yeah. I don't know why well, you need an allowance, though. Yeah, we, uh, we did some digging on you, according to CelebrityNetWorthInfo.com, uh, which, by the way, has your name listed as a celebrity from the Oswego area. It's astounding. <laughs> Uh they have
0: your I've net worth I've never seen this.
2: Are you shitting me? You know, you, you have a net worth of a hundred thousand to a million dollars. If you Google your name and kind of like go into like the depths of it, you have really? like these celebrity net worth things that like people can look up, like how much people their net worth is, and yours is estimated at minimum of a hundred thousand dollars. So, like, where where is this hundred thousand dollars you've been hiding from us? Under my bed. He's saving it for,
1: he's saving it for Justice. Get her something nice. All
2: right. So we, we went um, on that, that card that you went in with us on, on the Holly Rodriguez card. As the the picks that we made were seven and three, and we gave you two
0: losers. Like, (laughs) brutal losers, too. Brutal losers. So here's the thing, though. I asked both of you guys individually and you guys gave me the same picks basically which makes sense but i was struggling like i needed winners i literally would have paid you money for winners like how people pay tiktokers for their cards on any sports but the one that killed me was the parlay the parlay is the one that killed me because i Uh, had i double dipped Mm -hmm. oh man
2: and then you you took uh who was that who who was the chick that he took by a decision?
0: Oh um it was Leah Letson
2: and uh God damn it. This is Felicia great podcasting. Spencer. Fel- yeah, Spencer. He took Felicia Spencer. Oh, yeah. 36 seconds. Her. Yeah. 30, she 30 seconds.
0: The wheels beat off of her.
2: Just yeah. that was yeah. such a bad beat. I was I was so mad for for the both of us there. I and mean then-
0: let's be real though, I texted both of you guys and I said like something like Jesus Christ, because I didn't think that was getting out of the first round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, kind of a
2: weird it was. yeah but we i mean she's never put people away like that so that was kind of oh god so
1: she gets to get slaughtered by nunez again
2: yeah that'll be yeah. fun so you uh so obviously you 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 started out youth hockey or whatever and then you worked your way into juniors and stuff like that uh so you know by the time you got to juniors uh and, and you fighting was kind of allowed were there any guys out there that you know uh, you kind of stayed away from, or were there guys out there that you, you were able to kind of take advantage of or anything like that?
0: Well, can't really take advantage of anybody when I'm the smallest person on the ice, but <laughs> only
1: second to your brother.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. The, there wasn't any, cra- I didn't really see many crazy things. Shockingly. I, there, the only thing I could think of off the top of my head is we were playing Dubuque. And I don't remember this guy's name because he, he was, uh, he played in the Null and he got called up for a short period of time in Dubuque. And in Green Bay, when you score a goal, like the lights go off for like three seconds and this, the music starts playing or whatever, and we're playing and it's a two on one and we score a goal. And so the lights go off. And as soon as they come on, we see this guy beating the wheels off of my teammate <laughs> because he was, he was the defenseman. And we're just like, what the hell is going on? We just scored and, he, and we, we couldn't see them until he was already getting his ass kicked. Um, so that was something that I thought that was pretty crazy. And then for me personally, I got, I've been in a half of a fight. <laughs> so I have, I, we're playing Fargo and Green Bay and, um, Austin Pooley, who's like, he's like six, two, he's a huge dude. He got caught looking, looking the wrong way uh, on the, on the train tracks. And I just took him out. So then right after I took him out, I was like, all right, like th- he's not going to fight me because he's too big. Like he ain't going to come attack me. Not enough. That's going to happen Then all of a sudden from behind, they get grabbed and I get grabbed by somebody who so, it's a funny story. I, I played with him in Springfield. So he grabbed me from behind and he's, he's about five, eight. So he's not much bigger than me. And he was just sticking up for his teammates. So I thought we were about to go, but instead, instead of him letting me get my gloves off, he like uh, took my feet out and like MMA made me to the ground. And then that was it. The refs just took, just got in between it. And then he ended up up getting suspended, but I thought that was going to be my first and only fight, but it just ended up not happening.
2: Well, we also did a little bit of digging in your youth hockey, and uh, I don't think that was your only fight. I, I there's uh what w- what happened with you mm. and that uh that Russian Red Army? Yeah,
0: that was honestly pretty crazy. So uh, every year the Bauer tournament is in Chicago, and it's like the biggest tournament in North of Amer- North America, maybe not in Canada, maybe just in the United States. But every year they do an opening night where all the teams that come in they do like a big party and the Stanley cup is usually there. And they usually have some like NHL guys like Dustin Bufflin was there when he was on the Hawks and stuff like that. Yeah. And then a mission alum actually. But, um, so every year they have about like two games going on. And, you know, that was my first taste of, of having, you know, a couple thousand people packed in a barn and we got to play the Russian red army team. So, You know, game goes on, and uh, because they want to get a couple of different teams in, you only play two periods, so we're playing. We ended up beating them. Don't remember the score, and then we go through, like, the handshake line. And honestly, things happen so fast that we're going through the line, and then all of a sudden, like, something happens. No idea what, can't remember. And then just people start fighting, and I'm just, like, looking around like, oh, my God, (laughs) we're getting it on right now. So I don't remember. It just happened so fast. So I don't remember exactly how I got to my guy, but my guy was huge. Like I wanted to everybody to stop the fight and I wanted to trade with somebody like everybody stop. like ref blow the whistle and just do a quick switcheroo or something. But we just start wailing and like, we're fighting with gloves and a helmet on. So it's literally like locker boxing. But the thing about me is um, it, the, the video that I've seen that people took is like I'm kind of like in the corner so like we're fighting by ourselves and like nobody's breaking us up because we're just kind of off to the side so mm-hmm. we just start just wrestling on the ground eventually and whatever but it was a big old, uh, whole ordeal but it was a, a, a pretty sick experience so like the crowd was loving it <laughs>
2: how those commies
0: how had it so be was like 2015, 14, I think right what was that no.
2: No, no, that was earlier than that because we were in, still in high school. I'm trying Dude, to. Think.
0: I think it's like 2013.
2: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Jeez, I think like sophomore or
2: something.
0: rushes. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> something like
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's crazy. So, uh, moving on to kind of your junior years. Um, so you ended up playing for with uh, Springfield for a little bit. You ended up moving now to uh, Green Bay. And then 2014-15 season, you played four different teams, technically, according to um, your hockey database. Uh, so was, was that kind of a crazy year for you, just kind of moving all over the place?
0: Yeah, so um, I was drafted by Sioux City, and I went to camp that summer. Um, I thought uh, I did very well in camp, and it seemed like, uh, you know, I had a good chance of making the team. Um, They ended up having a second camp in St. Louis um, because that year that team got selected to go play in Europe. For a couple years, the USHL had a a team that got to go play in Europe to play a couple of junior teams over there as like a before the season tournament. So um, Sioux City got some extra time to pick the team. And so I went to the second camp. And at that point, I was a high schooler still. So I, you know, I needed to know if You know where I was going to go to high school, whether it was going to be in Sioux City or not. So I ended up not making the team, and at that point I had about two weeks until school started because it was it was the beginning of August. So I was like, "Am I going to play U18s or what am I doing?" So, um, I ended up getting in touch with Springfield, and they were in the middle of their main camp. But at that point, um, you know, I was already committed, and you know, I made a name for myself where. Springfield coach wanted me to come in and just like pretend I was there the whole time. So um, you know, I didn't expect that to happen, but it went pretty quick. And I ended up in Springfield, you know, started playing there, played a lot of minutes and played very well. And then um getting towards around Christmas time, or it might have even been a little bit after Christmas. No, it was definitely before Christmas. Um I got a call from the US U 18 team. And they uh, had a couple guys out because of suspensions. So they needed to, you know, bring in guys to play uh, a college game and then against the Chicago Steel the next night. But the issue is they can't take any USHL players because they're playing in the USHL. So they needed to, you know, figure out how to get some other people. And, um, you know, I was one of a few high schoolers in the uh, NAHL at that point. So they brought me in, played a couple games with them um you know had a good time it was you know cool to put on that jersey there's a lot of kids um who are on that team that i grew up playing with and against so it was just like you know nothing nothing changed you're, you're um, talking
2: about that national team right
0: yep a lot yeah, a lot of nasty lot of players right?
2: you got to play with matthews on that team right
0: matthews kachuk fisher Jeez. um Lizinski, oh, not lazinsky Floodstrand. um uh, who else was on that team? Was,
2: uh, Charlie McAvoy was on that team, wasn't he?
0: Charlie McAvoy. Um, you had uh, Jake Ogdenger uh, and right? Nope, he's nope. younger. Oh, okay. Um, we had um, who else was on the team? Um, real I'm quick, because I don't Go really
1: on. understand how this whole USHL thing works. So wh- while you're playing in Springfield, are you you're at Oswego East, right? Nope.
0: I went to Springfield High School.
2: Oh, geez, I, I didn't, didn't know, know that at all.
0: Like, <laughs> yeah,
2: no, no, no. yeah, actually, if you look at uh, Jason's transcripts or whatever, he graduated from some random. He graduated from a town, uh, uh, a school in Green Bay. Green Bay. Yep. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. I Yeah. Have so, no idea and that moved. was actually your senior year. So you bounced around your senior year of high school. You know, you made all friends through uh, in high school. Your freshman through junior year, and then you had to move out. You know, that had to have been kind of difficult.
0: Yeah. So like, I mean, I went to Springfield and I just like, we would go to school for a few hours and go to practice. So like, I was just there just to be there, just get the grades and move on. Didn't really make any friends there. And then, you know, had to change schools because um, at Christmas time, uh, Green Bay was out of the playoff picture. They had a pretty rough year. So their, uh, their coach wanted me to come in so I could get acclimated and get the second half of the year under my belt so I could come back the following year to be a little bit more on the veteran side of things and kind of get, you know, the, the feel of, of things in advance. So I thought that was, you know, really good for me. Um, you know, the, when I got to Springfield, or I Maine to uh, Green Bay, we won three games, the second half of the year, but those uh, one of those three games was against the, the U S 18 team. So um, that was a huge thing. Cause I mean, those guys were, ridiculously good so that was a, a huge win for us
2: yeah man that's that's pretty cool uh, so uh, when you were at juniors you know you, that's a, really the first time you get to play without a a cage on there so i know you're uh you're missing you're missing a chicklet there you got a story behind that one
0: <laughs> yeah so this is my uh third year junior um pretty much third year of without a uh, you know A full cage on and it's uh actually around this time um i had a a snapchat story memory that was might have been like a week or two ago i know it was around you know the thanksgiving time where um we're in des moines and you know it was just a routine like board battle or something and then the guy just uh he was his stick was erratic or i don't know what he was trying to do but uh, you know, he caught me right in the mouth. And I thought at first, like they called a penalty right away. I was, I was bleeding and stuff. And I had a mouth guard and I always wore one. And, um, all of a sudden, like, I go back to the bench and like, I got to take my mouth guard out to clean all the blood. And then I take it out and I got teeth stuck in my mouth guard. So (laughs) I was just like, are you shitting me right now? Like, one tooth is completely cracked off. The other one is like cracked off, but still pieces hanging. And it was just a big old mess. Um, We ended up winning that game because he got a four minute penalty and we were down actually a goal. We scored, tied it up. And then, um, you know, because there was still a lot of time left on, on the penalty. um, We had another chance at the power play and scored again. So we ended up winning that game. So it made the bus ride home way better.
2: So (laughs) as long as you get the W. So, From what I remember, uh, myself, those bus rides get a little, uh, they get a little weird sometimes on the road, you know, you guys get kind of bored, you know, uh, some, I know a few stories, maybe, (laughs) maybe not necessarily the most legal things happening on, on these bus trips, but, uh, you know, just take us through like one of these, uh, some of these adventures that you guys had, you got any good stories?
0: Yeah. I mean, things were way better when I was a vet we just, absolutely abuse the rookies with you know throwing them in the in the bathroom and they have to find 50 cents when there's like 42 cents on the ground or some bullshit like that um honestly the 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 worst part for me is just adding to my problem with gambling is we play cards and the notes on my phone would be just piled up with my freaking all the money that's coming in and all the money that's going out. It was like a bank. We needed to have, we needed to have a bank on the bus because of all the Fugazi money that was being thrown around. (laughs) Um, a funny story I will say is my uh, second year in green Bay. Um, there's only X amount of bunks on the bus. So we had a sleeper bus. So uh, a lot of the young guys had to share bunks. So, um, even though I had a bunch of games played, there just wasn't enough bunk cause we had such a veteran team that year where I shared with our goalie, Adam Huska. And, um, we were, we left the night before to go to Youngstown. And when we do trips that long, it was about 14 hours or what, whatnot. We would leave like on a Wednesday night and drive through the whole night. So we'd get there at breakfast. So when we arrive at breakfast, um, I took melatonin the night before because I wanted to sleep good on the bus. And, um, the blanket was over the bottom bunk. So nobody saw anybody in there and nobody woke me up for breakfast. I just slept through breakfast. All of a sudden I hear people starting to come back on the bus. I just get out of my bunk and I just like stand there, like out of it still. And people are like, were you in here the whole time? Or like, we didn't even know you weren't there. I could have got kidnapped. Nobody would have known. Jesus, playing on an empty stomach.
2: Oh man, that's no good. So, you know, we've we we talked a little bit about uh junior career. Um I know in 20 your, your last year there you got the A. Uh, you're you were given an award from the team, you know, the unsung hero award, you know. For people who aren't too familiar with hockey, you know, what what does that entail? Like how does one win an award like that? And that's it's voted on know, by that, your teammates, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. So, Um, you know, that year going into that year, I already knew that was my last year. Um, so I just wanted to go in there and just have a good time and enjoy it with the boys. Um, so that year I just wanted to be the best teammate I could be. And I just, you know, with having that leadership, um, role, I wanted to, you know, show the guys, you know, the way, especially a lot of the young guys, um, you know, by just doing things the right way. Um, and just the the way I played, I think that was my best year in confidence level, just because I knew I, I kind of had the next step in my life already put together. So I didn't have a lot of weight on my shoulders. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, what my thought process was going through that time. Cause you know, I've, you know, at that point I played around 150, you know, junior games already. So I just kind of knew, you know, the way and, and all that stuff, and a lot of the young guys were awesome and had a good time hanging with them. Uh, you know, we made a lot of good memories, and I stay in touch with a bunch of those guys still today.
2: Yeah, it's awesome. It's like some of those uh, those friendships that you find, uh, you know, being on the road with guys and stuff like that really kind of forces you to to really get to know guys and, and creates kind of everlasting bonds. So uh, yep. after that, you, uh, you, you, you ended up – first you'd committed to, you know, Ohio State um, – and then after that, you kind of you you ended up choosing Wisconsin. So, uh, what was the, fuck uh, the- Ohio State? <laughs> I gotta <laughs> agree <with> on <laughs> record with that one. I hate Ohio State. I, I think we all three kind of agree with that one there, uh, Adrian. Yeah. If you're listening to this, fuck you too. Yeah, fuck you, Michigan State this weekend. <laughs> we're we we're, we're taped delaying this. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Regardless.
2: <laughs> so, so, yeah, so uh, what, are, what, what made you choose Wisconsin?
0: Yeah, so the coach who drafted me in the USHL that summer back in high school, that same summer he took the job at Ohio State. And then, um, you know, because he liked me and, and liked me to, enough to draft me, he asked me to come on a visit. And I, at that point I had a couple other opportunities and offers, and I honestly thought I was going to end up going to the school out east but then, you know, Ohio state was a lot closer um, and you honestly can't be anything uh, outside of the big 10 um, with the way they treat you. Um, so that's how that got there. And then um, when Wisconsin was going through some pretty tough years, they ended up hiring the Granado brothers um, and Sean played for uh, Donnie at uh, the U S uh, national team his under 17 year and Donnie and Sean, you know, had a really good relationship Sean did very well and then Donnie took the job at Wisconsin with his brother and Sean asked if they would be interested in us coming there as well and they they were interested so we went on our visit and you know things have a weird way of working out Uh, out of all the schools once I started getting recruited and stuff Wisconsin was the first school I ever went to and they just never offered my brother or I um, so that's just it's just funny how things kind of go, come in full circle. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, so we, we we know that you guys, you know, college it, it is college after all, you know, it, not the uh, the smartest of, of adults there. You know, you guys get into trouble a little bit. There are any like traditions that you can actually speak about on a podcast, not getting anyone into trouble. If uh, we, we can bleep people out if we need to. <laughs> I don't know how to
0: do it, but hopefully Lee can't. Uh, can't. <laughs> <laughs> um honestly, like, yeah, we just I mean at every level we kind of have our own sort of traditions and just in the in the hockey world of like rookie party, I even had rookie party in juniors twice. Um, two different teams. So um, you know, it's just kind of each every level you get to, it's just kind of like the um the things you got to go through to uh it gives a chance for you to like bond with the the older guys because what you go through is what they went through as well so it's just kind of that respect factor and and you and you kind of build that respect when you when you go through these things um honestly like from what i've heard around uh the league like our rookie party isn't even as bad as some teams i mean some some teams around the league make their players go to class in their full gear. So they smell like shit. <laughs> God, if I, I mean, that'd be bad. That'd be bad. I'll
1: tell you what, I've never played hockey in my life, but that gear is the worst smelling shit I've ever had. It's its the worst. Try,
0: try to put, try to put some wheels, like the guys trying to put some wheels on like first week of, of school as a freshman, like trying to meet people. And you're just walking around and you're smelling gitch. <laughs>
2: trying to meet girls like smelling
0: horrible
1: (laughs) 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 hey Um, i'm jason nice to meet you i smell like shit (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) um but for us like uh something that we do is um the older guys make us dress in costumes um and it's kind of based on like something about you like whether there's a story behind you or just like something funny like um my uh costume, I was Tyrion Lannister because I just never shut up and I just always talk, <laughs> and it's always my opinion. So that's who I dressed up as, um, you know, for rookie party, um, freshman year. Uh, my brother was a baby, so he had a diaper I'm walking around in just a diaper, so that was pretty funny. <laughs> um, you
1: think the height so thing had to do with Tyrion too? Yes. Yeah, that
0: that just makes it even easier and better. So yeah, so we um so they, they dress us up and then um we uh they they bring us to the sorority houses and we just do a bunch of fun shit there. It's like all all sober and funny. We we uh they give us a song and we have to do a dance for them. So we we make a little uh, choreography or whatever fucking dancing. Choreography. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> choreography. Uh,
1: English was is no, not choreography. our song. Choreography.
0: <laughs> what was our song? I can't remember what it was. Probably a Backstreet Boys strong, right? Yeah, but it's like stupid shit like that. It's like. Yeah, yeah. Just fun uh, stuff that honestly. Oh, I think ours was. Ho- I think it was Hollaback Girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we have it's all like, fun, honestly.
1: It's, you know, it's just for a good time. The chicks love it.
0: Yeah. It's just like us being idiots um, and that stuff. And then we just do like pretty much after that, it's like team bonding. And we just, uh, we get one chance. Um, we make like, we get to write a poem and we get to like shit on the older guys and we ask the older guys for like dirt on each other because we don't really know them that much. And then we we're all like pretty, pretty hammered and we're trying to read our poem, but we can't even, you know, read because we're just so trashed and we're they there. It's just a pretty funny time. So.
2: Yeah, I I, I kind of remember the beginning of, of my rookie party with uh, at Eastern. We we oh, we got geez. put into a
0: basement and
2: they gave four of us a, a a bottle of liquor and they said if you beat the record you're done. We uh, we killed yep. the thing. Four of us killed it in mm. sixteen and there's minutes. No record. no record. There's no record. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: hey hey the, hey the record's out there, but you didn't beat it.
2: No. Yeah. It's uh, that's it's lost in time forever.
0: <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, the nice part is like a lot of the stuff that we we do with the team is like um, stuff that has been, you know, going on since our coaches were there, a lot of the same traditions and stuff. So we know that there's a lot of guys who go through the same stuff and you got that mutual respect with a lot, you know, a lot of alumni who come back in town because they know like what you go through and and all the good stuff that comes with um, being here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So in your time there um, at Wisconsin or in juniors or anything like that? um, Was there any guy that really kind of stood out, you know, other than, you know, these, these top draft picks and stuff like that, but any guy that you could think of that meant it's like you got there and you're like, Oh my God, this, this guy's on a completely different level.
0: Um, okay. Let's see. In junior played with the kid, Johnny Leonard. He, um, plays for the, he's in the sharks organization. He never got drafted awesome dude. One of my, one of my best friends, um, you know, in the hockey world today. Um, He, and just something about him. He like my last year was his rookie year. So as a young guy, he didn't get as much playing time and it kind of, you know, affected him a little bit and how he played, but he went on to play at UMass and um, I'm pretty sure he was in his last year before he got, uh, he signed a free agent deal. he, was either at or right below a goal a game in college hockey. So that's pretty crazy, you know, especially, you know, with the parity in college hockey and how hard it is to score goals and beat teams that he just – he was kind of a late bloomer. And, you know, that's something that he had to work on himself was, like, you know, trying to be in the right mindset um, and not worry about, like, being a hothead or not have the, uh, you know, playing time or whatever. So once he broke out, it was, like, game over. This guy was just a pure goal scorer.
2: Yeah. I mean, any guys that you could think of maybe that uh, might have uh, that, that are just, you think could be a fighter in the NHL or anything like that? Any guys that you, you could think that come to mind that could really throw hands? Um, Sean.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've only met <laughs> yeah, the man once. Reach. Great, great guy. But yeah. Yeah. Um, two kids in, in junior, my roommate, Connor Mackey, that's another kid who was under the radar. So he was my roommate my uh, last two years. Um, my second year was his rookie year, and he was um, – he's a he's a 96, so he was almost an overager because he was just a late bloomer. And that year, um, we had a really strong and old team. We had six D-men who all were um, – committed somewhere and were leaving after that season so he was the seventh man and kind of like the odd man out so he didn't really get much playing time but then we came back our last year and it was his overage year and he ran the, the top of the power play with Casey Middlestat on the left side and um, before Casey left to go back to high school um, hockey our power play was at almost at 50 percent for the start of the season so he was just racking in all the points and he ended up signing he ended up Committing to uh, Minnesota State Mankato as an overager, went there, played there three years, and then he signed with the Calgary Flames. So um, he's definitely somebody who could fight. He was, I mean, he's six four, so he, it's kind of easy for him. So he did a lot of fighting for us. And then uh, uh, Jared Spooner, another kid, um, he was uh, our captain my last year, and he's just got like, sometimes his wires cross. Like he's just one of those, he's from uh, South Dakota or North Dakota. So he was just like from, bum from nowhere. Yeah. And that's what he farm was. Strength. like. That's what it was. And he would just beat the wheels off people and just dummy people. I mean, he wasn't even that big of a guy, but he was strong and just a hard nosed centerman down the middle. And those two would any, any, I mean, as a, as a captain, you have to answer the bell um, in juniors, you know, whenever, it needs to be done. And he was always there to do it. So.
2: Yeah. Uh, so the, the, there's like a YouTube series out there where, where guys in juniors, mostly uh, they, they kind of focus more on like Canadian hockey league, uh, you know, the OHL and stuff like that, um, where they had, they pull up these guys ultimate team cards. Like these, these, these guys are like 60 overalls or whatever. And they kind of test out why they're 60 overalls. So if you had to guess, for yourself, if they were to put you in the NHL game, what would your rating be? You know, if you could, if you had to compare yourself to a guy in, in the O who's like a, a kind of like, you know, a, a, a middle six guy, uh, you know, where would you kind of put yourself in that? And what would you give yourself as a rating, you think? A zero. <laughs> yeah. Is it that big of a difference,
0: you think? Honestly, like, I don't even know. That's a good question. I mean, maybe 50. The one thing is this though, like my speed is going to be like at 110, but then everything else is going to be at like negative 50. So then it's just like, where does it even out at? Where's the average 50? Sure. Let's just go with that. But that's actually pretty funny. Like I've, I've, once they started adding junior guys, especially the Canadian ones in the game, it's kind of funny to see like kids you. Grew up playing against or with kind of what their numbers were at. And it's just interesting how they even come up with that kind of number for junior kids when you don't even know.
2: Yeah, you got to, you got to think that they're, they just look at some stats and they're like, ah, you know, fuck it. I think,
0: I think they just throw it at the dartboard and whatever that multiplier is, they just give it to them.
2: <laughs> Are there any guys that you could think of that like you see in that game and you're like, no way? Not
0: really. Like there's kids growing up from like the Detroit area or even the Chicago area who ended up going to play like in, in the OHL or the BCHL. And honestly, like, I don't even remember what their, what their scores were, but it honestly didn't even matter. Like obviously guys like McDavid and Marner were like high up there, but everybody else was probably like in the sixties or seventies.
2: I gotcha. So, uh, you, you know, you, you mentioned um, kind of making these bonds with these guys, um, you know, throughout your, your career on the road and stuff like that, away from home. Uh, any guys now that, you know, you really keep in contact with?
0: Yeah, so um, since I'm still in Madison, I've been, I, I still hang around with the boys as much as I can, especially on like game days and stuff like that on the weekends. Um, you know, this last year, everybody was, you know, really close because we were really weren't allowed to do a lot because we had to, you know, stay safe and, um, you know, not test positive to miss games or whatever. So a lot of thing, a lot of the things we did were just like together at like guys' apartments and stuff. So we all got pretty close. Um, you know, uh, two guys who I got really close with Uh, uh, this past season um, because they were freshmen the year before were the Donovan brothers, those guys are just two of the funniest people I've ever met. Like these guys are all time, like the things they say, like one thing that they're hilarious that they do, that's hilarious is, you know, they're good at catching some, you know, funny, funny pictures of guys or videos and they make some cutouts and just some of those cutouts that they put on, you know, other, other things are just hilarious Um, this past year. Um, the freshmen were great guys like Luke Lamaster and, and, um, um and Maddie D St. fail, like all these guys, like they're, they're hilarious. They're fun to be around. Like they're, they're not shy. They like to give shit back and all that stuff. So honestly, like when I was a freshman, I didn't really like the older guys cause they didn't like, to make us very welcome. They like to, to keep things like kind of that separate, like you got the veteran guys and then all the young guys. So like we didn't really get to do too much with them, but like when we, when our class became the veterans, like we wanted everybody to be uh, tight knit and, you know, close. And, and I think that, that happened this past year. So. Change the culture a little bit. Yeah.
2: So uh, we, we, we know that your, your brother transferred out, and uh, for a little bit there, you were you were kind of, um, you're you were, you, you seem to be a healthy scratch uh, after a season where you played twenty plus games, uh, and then it went down to three. You know, can you really discuss what 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 happened there?
0: Yeah, like you know, a lot of good players were coming in and stuff like that. So like, it's tough to crack the lineup all the time. Um, you know that that's one thing that was kind of just because I, you know, I put a lot of effort into, you know, I would a couple times a week I'd, you know, get up and I'd go skate with one of the assistant coaches and get extra work in like in the morning before class. Um, you know, I would do extra stuff in the gym and just try to do whatever I could to get in the lineup, but it just, sometimes it's hard and, and, you know, it kind of, it did affect me a lot and I didn't want to, uh, you know, I didn't, didn't even want to play anymore at some, you know, sometimes. And I just was like, whatever, this is just how the season's going to go. So I just accepted it. And, you know, that's kind of where after that season I was like going into senior year and I'm, and that's sort of where I just kind of thought like, you know, I can't have that same mentality and uh, going into senior year, I just got to, you know, Keep grinding through it, and then it'll all work itself out. And that—that's kind of how it ha- how it worked out senior year. You know, I got to you know play a lot more games, and I kind of found my role within the team, and you know found ways that I could help the team succeed and all that good stuff.
2: Yeah. So we we know that you're you're more of like a defensive minded forward, at least it kind of um, seems that way with the the amount of uh, penalty kill Weaners. time you got and stuff like that. So. Uh, is, is there any real reason why um, you, you ended up taking less penalties per game? Like a, we noticed in juniors you were taking, you know, about – you had about a minute a game. Um, by the time you'd gotten to like an older age in college, you were, you were down quite a bit there. I think it, in your senior year you only had like three penalties total. Is there anything behind that?
0: No. I mean, the one thing I will say is – it doesn't even matter what league or whatever the refs suck ass anyways but in juniors like a lot of that stuff like you could be a little bit more of a pest and stuff and like after the whistle kind of get guys because you had that ability to tussle and fight so like you know get that extra cross check in or like take somebody try to take somebody's like little like legs out or get them off balance and just stupid shit like that where like you could get a lot of penalties and I thought you know in juniors, I was able to be a little bit more of a rat because I had that sort of role on the team and especially with being able to get away with a lot more stuff because of, you know, being, you know, more of a top player in that aspect. And then in college, it's just, I was just kind of just like, you know, I didn't even get out on the ice as much, you know, I I played between five and 10 minutes versus like 20 minutes in junior. So that also takes away the chance of, you know, getting a lot of penalties no rhyme or reason, just the way it goes. Probably better that way, so I don't get scratched for getting too many penalties. <laughs> way
2: of the way the road bops. Yeah. All right, so we got we got to talk about this golf trip that you host every year. So uh, you and like a group of friends. It's actually me and Mike are included in on these. Um, so what kind of started that? And, and uh, we we got to talk about Esher too. Just taking our, our taking our money.
0: Mm, Esser. Yeah. Josh S that guy is an absolute fiend, such a beauty. Um, yeah, this, <laughs> yes. this golf trip in the Dells. uh, yeah, that was a good time with the boys. Um, I think I was drunk as soon as I stepped in the building. Um, that's what happens when you, uh, get the 42 ounce hurricane drinks and just slam them all day. But yeah, no, that's definitely something that got to be done every year. Um, you know, gives a chance f- for the boys just to, uh, bond together. And especially with all of us, you know, being adults now. So, um, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to next summer, wherever we go, whether it's going to be back to the Dells, cause that's an OG spot or if we want to, you know, Branch out to somewhere else in the country. I'm I'm down with that too. So we that'll be a, it'll we be a good have time. Can Dylan pay for it. <laughs> yes, we need Dylan. We need a hurricane so Dylan could work seven days a week for sixteen hours, double time, and then he could get his money and pay for us.
1: Yeah, it makes it makes more in
0: one month than I do in an entire year. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, he can't buy another big buck hunter, but he will buy us a golf trip. Yeah. <laughs>
1: He can buy me a big buck, hunter. Yes. <laughs> so,
2: so, like, we, we ended up getting paired with – or we ended up, you know, shooting the first round. You you threw up more times than you parred.
0: Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah. If there's a record for guys' uh, um, strokes gained in two days, I might have had it.
2: Yeah, What you <laughs> dropped, from- like, 20 shots.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which honestly, because we were playing for money, if thought if somebody else did that to me, I would have been like, nope, you swindled the fuck out of us. So I don't know what you're doing. No, that was Josh, no, actually, Josh Crosby. Yeah, no, but that was honestly that morning, I blame all on Ryan and give me stupid liquid IV. That stuff is phony.
1: Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I drink that shit every day. Don't you dare do that.
0: <laughs> I wake eyes. up. Yeah. We go to bed at like 3.30 in the morning. We got a tea time at like 7.30, so that means we're just not sleeping. That's fine. I wake up, and I've never been so dialed in my life. Like, I get to golf today. Let's go. And Ryan's like, oh, dude, let's drink this liquid IV. You'll feel amazing. I'm like, dude, I feel amazing already, but I'll do it because you're a nice guy. I drink. I chug the shit out of it. I'm like, all right, this isn't even that good. Get to the golf course, warm up, feeling great. Like, weather's great. We're golfing. The boys are humming three holes in and I'm just like, yeah, this isn't going well. Like I literally had to just go dart my mouth through up. And then after that, it was just downhill from there. I don't honestly, like might've been one of the, it's the worst experience I've had. And I've had some pretty bad experiences with being just trashed like that. And there's only one thing I changed from my routine and it's drinking that stupid shit.
1: (laughs) Well, how do you fix it? You just get drunk again.
0: That's what he did. Yes. Yeah. Basically. (laughs) Yeah. And I was playing with Steve and Steven and somebody else that day we get to the turn and they're all like, Oh yeah, let's get, let's get some, uh, screwdrivers. Like, let's get going. I'm like, guys, there's no way I could drink this right now. And Steve is like, dude, just drink it, man. It just, you just got to get the alcohol back in you and you'll feel good. I drink the whole thing right up next hole just gone. So that was just not going to work either. But went back, took a little snooze, got up, and get, got right back on the horse. So it was all good after that.
2: <laughs> all right. So we this is the fun part now. We get to kind of test out your knowledge of uh, what you see in the UFC world. Um, so we – We're tape delaying this podcast. It's about a month out. You know, we don't expect any uh, groundbreaking things from you. Uh, But do you have, you know, what what are your predictions for uh, UFC 269, Oliveira Vipoye? Um, If you want, we can go through the whole card. You can go through the two main events. You can even do the main event if you want. But do you, you got anything for us there?
0: Yeah, two things. One, I'm pretty new to UFC. Honestly, like that pandemic was the best thing because during that time, the only time we all were able to get together for a good chunk of months were when UFC fights were going on and we had to sit our six feet away in each other's driveway while we set up the TV and just and watch the these new guys. put someone into another world. That was my first ever UFC fight. <laughs> and I asked, Who am I putting money on next? <laughs> and I don't know who said it, but somebody goes, Francis Nganu. And I didn't even look him up. I put 50 bucks on the guy. And then I looked him up afterwards and I go, this is the man I'm putting money on. And I immediately put more money on him.
2: Just an absolute fucking Herculean. Like he looks like he should, he belongs in like the Marvel universe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Francis, the Hulk in Ghana. So, so I mean,
2: yeah. I mean, what, what are you, what are your thoughts on this upcoming card?
0: Um, so, I did a little research today, just p- took a gander at the names. I know zero people on the undercard, so we're not even going to talk about that. I know nobody. Um, Sean O'Malley's fighting. I think that guy's a beast. He's an entertainer. Um, the last fight, he lost me a lot of money, so I'm kind of pissed at him. So, if he doesn't make me money this fight, then he's on the no bet list. That's just like your sure. Steelers. <laughs> yes, um, that's that's going on from last year. That team is an absolute dumpster fire. But anyways, um, his last fight, it won all three rounds. But I think he was punched a total of two and a half times, so he should be ready to go. Um, I don't really know the guy who he's fighting, um, but Sean O'Malley should be hungry to show that he's able to beat the wheels off with of somebody who actually knows how to fight and wasn't asked to fight the week before. Um, so hopefully, I mean, I didn't look at the lines. I don't even know if the lines are out yet, but I'm assuming probably Sean O'Malley's yeah. probably a, probably a favorite. No, yeah, they're man. not,
2: they're not out yet. He's actually fighting the 15th ranked, uh, Bantam weight. I,
1: uh, I'd be surprised if he's not the favorite anyway.
2: Yeah. He'd probably yeah. end up being, uh, I, I mean, moving off the card to get Kai car France against Cody Garbrandt. Um, I mean, Cody Garbrandt's been around a long time. Those names kind of ring a bell to you.
0: Nope, in my notes, I just said I do not know the next two sets of fighters. <laughs>
2: that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, they're not exactly household names. Uh, no. I mean, Cody Garbrandt was if you, if you had been kind of sticking around for a while, but uh, since you said you're new to this, that, that that's pretty understandable. He's been gone for a bit. Uh, so, in our co-main event, Amanda Nunez versus Juliana Pena. I mean, what do you got for us?
0: So. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty decent fight. I did some double checking and I don't think they've fought each other before. Am I right on that one? I don't think they've. I believe so. Fought yeah. Each we, other. We, you've done more research than us. Actually. I just looked to see who they fought, but, um, honestly, I love when the chicks fight because they just beat the the piss out of each other and it, it's hilarious. But, um, I think, uh, if Pena is going to get the the um, belt back, she's going to have to, you know, probably I like knock her out or submit her. There's no re- no way that, um, you know, she just beats her Nunez straight is, up. Yeah, yeah. There's just there's probably not going luck. to happen. Nunez hasn't lost since 2015, so that's also something. She's probably going to be a heavy favorite, I would assume. Um, right
2: now, yeah, a minus seven twenty. <laughs>
0: Yeah, At the on, on the ES, on the ESPN app next to her last like I don't know, however five or seven fights that they have on there before you like click the full her full fight list, it just shows like the little belt next to each one because she keeps beating the wheels off of everybody trying to fight it.
2: Yeah, it's like a revolving door of uh, who who, uh-huh. who Lamb is up next to Slaughter, uh, yep. and then moving into the main event, you got Charles Oliveira who we saw uh, fighting in the Dells. We we might actually been in the casino for that one though. Um, yeah, I
0: missed that one because I was humming at the blackjack (laughs) that
2: that casino sucked
0: yeah i mean it was pretty dust because you had to wear a mask in there the whole time which we didn't wear a mask at all the whole weekend so that just didn't make any sense while we were on a freaking reservation and you had to like reserve spots at tables because they didn't have enough tables open so we were waiting there all night we didn't get a a table to play blackjack till 1 a.m so i'm like well i've been waiting i'm gonna play till three and we almost didn't get an Uber back.
2: Yeah, mine as well. But uh, Oliveira defended his title against um, Michael Chandler that night. He won the title. Yeah. Or, yeah. Excuse me. He won the title that night uh, against he Michael Chandler, talk, yep. uh, in a second round knockout. And he's going up against Dustin Poirier, who we saw fight Conor McGregor twice, um, kind of won pretty convincingly both times. I mean, did, you know, they had the doctor stoppage, <laughs> but yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So he's uh, getting the break speed off of him anyway.
2: Yeah. So uh, I I mean yeah. you got any uh, any takes for us on that one?
0: I think he's going to take the belt. Yeah. For you? Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah the I thing like is that. though is like it's kind of it, it, I don't know how often this happens, mm-hmm. but to me it's interesting that I did see this match have odds out and he was the favorite and he wasn't mm-hmm. even and it. You no know, if you're the underdog and you're defending the belt that just doesn't look good off the, off the hop.
1: Yeah. Um I mean Poirier is a former chance, champ himself.
0: Yeah. I think so. His,
1: his only loss in the last 5 years is to Habib probably. Yep. It, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. so and I mean, that's, um, that's very respectable.
0: I mean, he didn't re- his last fight against McGregor like the the stoppage, like, you know, he only, it was only one round, so he should be healthy and trained up and, you know, ready to go. Um, The other thing that I thought is interesting is like, you know, with McGregor, you got that added aspect of like, before the fight, you got to do all that drama and entertainment bullshit. You know, McGregor's chirping his wife, this, that they're bitching at each other. Like here, it seems like it's just going to be a straight up like fight. There's no entertainment, bullshit yeah. to the side so he could focus on you know how he's gonna win the fight versus all these extra distractions going on mm-hmm. um you know around him with you know whenever mcgregor's fighting somebody it's always gonna be the entertainment aspect because that's how they sell the extra paper. meal.
1: yeah both both the guys are very respectable you know i mean i it's gonna be a tremendous fight
0: but i don't expect much drama at all no like you're not gonna see these guys like sitting at the press conference or the way and like chirping each other's fucking old ladies and shit yeah no <laughs> <laughs> all right i mean i
2: i don't really have anything else for you Jay. i mean do you got anything oh man this is great yeah this was great, this Honestly, was great. i haven't seen jason in like two months <laughs> yeah it's been a while he'll be back again this weekend uh, well i guess we're, we're pre-recording this so uh by the time this comes out you'll already have seen him a couple times but uh yeah. that's yep. gonna be Thanks. that card
0: what's that I said, yeah, I'll be back. Thanksgiving's coming up. Blackout Wednesday with the buddies. Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, Are we going I to mean, the boom I... boom? <laughs> oh, shit.
2: Having a party <laughs> in my place, actually. So,
0: Are you? Yeah. Oh, that might be Wait, an uh, option as well. Here? I didn't know that.
2: Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. We, we still have some stuff to plan out. But uh, I we mean, we will not be going to uh, scooters. No, fuck I heard that was
0: horrible. <laughs> and just heard, dog wait, shit. is it is this story is that the place where Ryan almost lost his shit because like some dude was trying to like dance with Becker or some bullshit? Yes. yes.
1: Can't Can confirm. <laughs>
0: we, we can't get into this in a public podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well dude, just bleep that shit out.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. We'll just we'll put the we'll bleep the names out or whatever.
0: Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> no, you're not uh so yeah, no, I'm excited to see the boys. Um, yeah, so, last time you yeah, no, came wh- home, I was gone. Yeah, and you gave me shit picks. So you're lucky you were gone.
2: <laughs> no, fuck you. <laughs> we're gonna use your picks, and uh, we're gonna use your picks for the the I'll fight card. Places your bets. Be careful. And yeah, and then we'll we'll yell at you when you when you mess them up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I only masks. know I only know three sets of fighters, so I'm gonna take. Uh, I'm gonna take. Sean o'malley first rounder oh
2: bit, <laughs> bit. <a> bit, bit. <laughs>
0: all
2: right man well I, it's been great talking to you i mean do you have any plugs you want to you want to throw in there anything that's uh going on that uh you, you feel like you want to promote
0: nope i'm literally doing nothing i go to work and i come home and i study for my series 65 and then i fuck right off so that's about it but uh <laughs> yeah. i'm uh Sounds like an uh, I'm honored life. to yeah I'm honored to be your guys' first guest and I love what you guys are doing this is awesome and I can't wait to you know keep listening to you guys uh, uh you know when you put stuff out so yeah.
2: all right Jay well thanks so yeah, much man it's it's uh it's been good we'll we'll yep. definitely have to have you back we'll uh, we'll get some more stories out of you. maybe uh maybe we'll get a little uh get a little weirder next time with some stories
0: mm, maybe a little in person and I can do like half a oh Jesus Christ. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah we'll we'll Just, chug some beers and or for jason we'll drink some uh, vodka lemonade some pink wit in there the and <laughs> oh, get them a little twisted see <laughs> so we can pull out of them do an in-person
0: yeah the more drunk i get i might email my old college professors and tell them to fuck off or something <laughs> you should have given me an a yeah,
2: god <laughs> damn it <laughs> all right jay thanks for coming yeah. out man i'll talk to you soon all right man. boys talk
0: yeah to talk you to soon. you later
2: All right, that was Jason Doogie giving us a fantastic interview. Um, like you said, it was really cool to kind of hear his input on a lot of things that, um, you know, for people that aren't necessarily in the hockey world or don't understand, you know, like these semi, like almost professional hockey, uh, that junior hockey is and college hockey and stuff like that. Really cool insight. Yeah. I mean, like I mentioned last
1: week, um, you know, not knowing a whole bunch about his past and his. Um, junior's journey in his, his hockey life you know it's really insightful to a side of him that i've never seen before obviously he's always been a guy that plays hockey and a buddy of mine um for the past couple of years but yeah it's a lot of good interview a lot of good insight
2: all right so on to the news here we'll we'll kind of go through this quickly here um for you know first thing on this card jeff Neal was arrested on Thanksgiving for a driving while intoxicated and was found to have an unregistered firearm in his car. Um, They haven't set a court date for that, but he will be fighting on this upcoming car. Fuck it, why not? Yeah, and I thought that was kind of strange that he offered zero apology, almost doubled down saying it's really not that big of a deal, but I don't know how that's a big deal with finding a pistol in your car that's not registered.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a felony, ain't it?
2: I don't know. but it's Depending on
1: what state, but I believe
2: it is. Not great. Um, yeah, not a good look. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, Sean O'Malley, who will also be fighting in this card, many of you know. Boo. <laughs> the hype train behind Sean O'Malley um, was giving uh, Dominic Cruz some shit earlier this week, saying how uh, Dominic Cruz is on the prelims and that Sean O'Malley's a bigger draw, even though he's unranked, and a guy that... You know, even though he's fighting on the main card, he's making the same amount of money as him, blah, 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 It was just kind of an entertaining spat that they have. Yeah, I mean, I won't hide the fact that I'm not a Sean O'Malley
1: fan. Um, I think what he does in the cage is absolutely fantastic. Um, but I, when it comes to Dominic Cruz, they're both kind of the same when it comes to talking and media, um, as we'll talk about in a few seconds here. But, yeah, just a... a I won't say out-of-pocket because it's really not a bad comment. It's not like, hurtful or mean in any way. But I will say, fighting Pedro Munoz is a lot fucking harder than fighting whoever the hell Sean O'Malley is going to fight.
2: And Sean O'Malley's made it pretty clear that he doesn't really want higher-level competition just because he's going to get paid the same whether he fights the champion or if he fights some guy they find off the street. So, um, like I said, he's made his stance pretty clear that he wants the money before he, uh, he fights up that higher talent.
1: See, I... I- I really do understand that, you know, wanting to build like they do in boxing. But at some point, with so much, with probably the biggest hype on any fighter currently, don't you think you would want to at least jump into the top 10, maybe? But if he's getting paid the same, I get that too.
2: <laughs> yeah, I kind of get this point. But uh, I mean, transitioning with uh, Dominic Cruz, um, he made an interesting comment at his press conference <laughs> this week saying that whenever he's watching fights and DC's commentating he instantly mutes it
1: yeah did you uh, happen to catch DC interview him after that comment
2: yeah they were he wasn't very happy he's like he, he channeled like his interruption, he's like brother 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 brother, brother. <laughs> but yeah I, I th- listen I know Dom,
1: or I don't know Dominic Cruz but if anyone that's seen him with the media before and how he interacts with his fellow colleagues and fighters that's just kind of how he is I, I don't think DC was necessarily hurt by the comments they are kind of out of pocket I will say just because you know they go way back but it is what it is in my eyes they're both fantastic
2: yeah Dominic Cruz is kind of known around the community as being just kind of like a like a dick
1: yeah and he thinks he can take Bisping
2: (laughs) he thinks he can take DC too yeah I mean
1: (laughs) shit he might hit him with 10 strikes before Bisping catches him with one but I think to quote his own you know to quote him
2: yeah, if Bisping lens one, I think he's going to sleep.
1: Yeah, uh, Bisping probably 205 right now. Still has probably the same power. I got my money on Bisping.
2: <laughs> We're getting <laughs> off topic here. But <laughs> yeah. All mean, right, let's move on. All right, so uh, MMA Junkie just reported that John Jones is targeting a return to the UFC sometime between April and... And July International Fight Week, he mentioned uh, possibly coming back in for the April card, whenever that may or wherever that may be. He thought it would be at uh, Madison Square Garden. That'd be kind of cool to see him back uh, in front of the big stage like that. Um, yeah, that would be. I
1: got to ask you something. Um, who do you think you would fight? Like, do you think you'd want a nice little tune up? He's been out of the cage for what will probably be over two years if it hasn't been already. I couldn't even tell you. Yeah, he fought in February of 2019, right? He, when he fought uh, Dominic Reyes at light heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to fight heavyweight. They're not going to throw him in there. Well, he probably wants to, but I don't think Dana will throw him in there against Stipe or Derek Lewis or you know the loser of, well, it might be too soon, but the loser of Cyril Gan and Francis Ngannou. I mean, I, I don't know who the hell he's going to fight.
2: I guess the one name if you eliminate all those guys, the one name that would come to mind would be Jarzinio Rosenstrike.
1: Ooh, that actually I'd really like to see that. I think John, depending on what shape he'd be in, uh, with his with his new frame, would dominate, but you never know. Jarzinho's got power, it's heavyweight, everyone's got power.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't think that would be a very competitive fight, so that's actually something I don't want to see, but if once you eliminate all the names, that's yeah, he's probably the next in line.
1: Next man up. He's yeah. that
2: next tier. Um, so, yeah, kind of exciting news there from a guy who we had thought he was going to come back earlier, has gotten some legal trouble. Obviously, we don't have to get into that. But, um, yeah, like you said the week before, the UFC is better with Jon Jones. Yes, sir. Like him or not. All right, so uh, a couple things here with Nunez. Uh, Dana White is talking to Kayla Harrison as the potential next fight for Amanda Nunes already kind of it seems like looking past Juliana Pena uh, we'll talk more about that fight in later in the podcast but uh, that's something that I would definitely want to see yeah I'd really love to see
1: that Um, for those of you who don't know who Kayla Harrison is uh, she fights in the PFL right now Um, she's also a two-time Olympic gold medalist in judo she's an absolute monster dude holy shit but the goat, the quote, sorry, correction. Amanda Nunez, uh, I believe they train together too. They they fight at the same gym. ATT. ATT in, um, in Florida. Coconut Creek. Yeah, Coconut Creek.
2: I should be going down there uh, in a couple weeks. Really? Go, yeah, me For me the holidays? Alex, yeah, me and Alex are going to go see that gym, I think. We're going to go try and you get it. You're going to see side. all
1: the dorms and whatnot. And, dude, I bet that facility is just absolutely fucking beautiful.
2: Yeah, that will be really cool. Um, So keeping with the... Uh, Nunez uh, theme. Dana White has been really reluctant to talk about uh, Valentina Shevchenko and Amanda Nunez trilogy, and I I'm kind of curious as to why. But I also kind of understand, like, you know, you've already seen it twice. Amanda Nunez has won twice, even though people still kind of say Shevchenko won that second one. Yeah. Well, uh,
1: I I think I know why, and uh, it might be because. Uh, Shevchenko on, a, on another podcast had mentioned that, uh, you know, they were talking about that possible third fight, and I don't want to quote her exactly, but I believe she was along the lines of saying, oh, well, I was up at 135, not my natural weight class, why do I have to go up again? And we know Nunez is never coming below 135 to fight again. I mean, it, so it could just be both parties won't be able to come to an agreement, so why even try
2: Maybe like a catch weight.
1: Yeah, maybe a catch weight. One thirty. Why not?
2: Yeah, I guess I I understand Shevchenko's argument there that hey, she's fighting a bigger girl, but if you've lost to her twice and you want this fight, you got to go up.
1: Yeah, I mean you gotta you gotta, you gotta go either. to her. You, she's got two boats, You got one. As much as I love Valentina, you gotta go to her.
2: Yeah. All right. So uh, some interesting um, interactions on Twitter here, uh, have been popping around that Khabib and around the goat talk and how he was undefeated and retired with the belt and things like that. And people are saying that he's really not their goat. I mean, what do what do you think about that?
1: They can fuck off. Really? I won't, so? I won't say he's the, I won't say he's the goat without argument, but to say he's not one of the top three of all time is absolutely fucking ridiculous. Um,
2: we're not saying top three that we're saying the greatest of all time.
1: I Honestly, I don't even know who I would say my GOAT is, but it's between two people, GSP and say. Habib, and maybe Kumaro in the future.
2: Well, like you, it, it's hard to even – even when you talk about like GSP, like the guy who just defended that belt for what seemed like forever, and even when he left, he came back and won it twice, I think.
1: The, uh, he beat Bisping and then retired again. But every loss he ever had, he avenged it. And, it's pete- and with finishes, I believe.
2: I think so. And I, I think that's... I, I th- really, the thing that's hurting Khabib is that longevity. And he did clear out the division. But there were still guys waiting in line to fight him. I mean, we never got to see Khabib versus Prime Ferguson.
1: Yeah. Um, which was scheduled, what, five, six times?
2: Yeah, that was just a cursed fight. Yeah, but you guys looking I, at I will level, never
1: criticize Khabib unless it's in the media talking about Islam. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I I do agree, 100% a Hall of Famer, 100% a guy oh, you yeah. can put on a list you like a your Mount Rushmore of greatest fighters of all time. But if you want to argue that he's not the GOAT, I I could I would listen to that.
1: Yeah, and honestly, uh, a real trans transcendent, trans transcendent athlete in the sport, bringing all those guys over from Russia and Dagestan. I mean, it's really brought a whole new wave of fighters over to the UFC. Is a great ambassador for the sport as well.
2: Except he hates the ring girls.
1: Well, I won't get into that. That—that's <laughs> his religion. That's his prerogative. I love him so. All
2: right, <laughs> all right. Without further ado, we're going to get into our very first pay-per-view card preview. I'm—I'm I'm excited for this one. This one is stacked.
1: Yeah, this is stacked. It's uh, what do we got? 15 fights on this one?
2: I think so, and we, each of us took 9 fights, actually without telling the other person what we took.
1: I might have 10, but we'll see. You might have 10? I might.
2: Okay. I mean, it... So, this this will kind of create some interesting debate topics here for us. I yeah. I think we can um, kind of see what each other were thinking going into this. This is the first time we haven't shared our picks going into it, so I think we can kind of uh, create a new dynamic here. This, this will be fun. Um, so, going into the 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 early prelims, we start off with uh, Jillian Robertson taking on Priscilla Um uh, Both of them former title challengers, I believe, in the same division ruled by Valentina Shevchenko. Um, I, I really don't see any way Casuera wins this unless she can keep this fight standing. But she has been so bad at defending takedowns. Yeah,
1: well, I didn't I didn't pick anything on this one, but I I think I will have to agree with you. Um, I mean, but I will say, I don't know how, yeah, yeah, I, you're right. I mean, let's just look at Priscilla's absorbed strikes per minute, seven. (laughs) I mean, Jesus, you're getting hit all the time. And like you said, that takedown defense is just
2: garbage. (laughs) Not that Jillian Robertson's any better, but I mean, (laughs) Priscilla Cashway has literally never shot for a takedown. Um, Jillian Robertson's takedown accuracy is sitting at about 47%, which isn't, that, that's pretty good, all that's things considered. Pretty solid. It's better uh, than my high school percentage. I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you were a, a gold standard.
1: Sure. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we'll, we'll ride at that. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, it, Robertson does have a significant ground game. She has six pro submissions. All, I believe all of them coming in the UFC, so uh, I don't see Priscilla Casua coming out of this one. I took... Um, jillian robertson's double chance for decision and submission it's only minus 125 maybe you want to throw that one into a parlay or i mean the odds aren't too crazy bad where i wouldn't i wouldn't mind taking that on so yeah yeah see i don't have the next one either so you're gonna have to ride that one all right so the next fight the immediately the next fight coming up randy costa takes on tony kelly um Uh, This one, for me, also seems like somewhat of an easier pick. Randy Costa is a boomer bust kind of a guy. He has never seen the third round in any of his professional fights in or out of the UFC. Um, I do like his nickname, though. The Zohan. The Zohan. (laughs) You don't mess with the Zohan. No. Uh, I mean, the guy has won every single fight (laughs) by knockout. His average fight time is 4 minutes and 5 seconds. Shit, he just gets the job done right away, doesn't he? He averages almost three knockdowns per 15 minutes and, and, and averages eight, nearly nine strikes per minute at 46%. Um, he does <laughs> absorb quite a few strikes. But, but that I'm, comes with the territory. Yeah, Tony Kelly really just doesn't, I don't think, has the pace to keep up with him. Um, he absorbs almost five strikes a minute, so he's you know, he's his defense is not very good in the striking game. Um, I, I took Randy Costa by knockout at minus one ten. Again, not great odds, but I mean, com- I feel pretty comfortable a- about taking this.
1: Yeah, I might have to throw that one in there too. All
2: right, up next again, the fight immediately afterwards. Ryan Hall will take on Derek Minner. Usually, when I see Ryan Hall in a fight, I steers very far away
1: from yeah yeah i don't think i've ever bet him in my life um but i will say we have the exact same thinking on this one so let's run with it
2: yeah like we said normally this isn't a guy that we like to bet on or against i mean the dude's only lost twice since 2006 and once since 2012 um but derek minner has lost six pro fights by submission
1: and guess who he's fighting? A BJJ genius.
2: Yeah, I mean, his nickname is The Wizard, and, and the guy is just, he's so good at, once the once the, the fight does go to the ground, and inevitably will, because Derek Minner has proven that he will go to the ground with anyone. He's done it with Herbert Burns in Contender Series and got submitted there. Herbert Burns is also a big BJJ guy, and it's just, I don't really know his, Understand his thinking on that, but yeah,
1: I mean, it, you look at his takedown accuracy; it's fa- honestly fantastic. But what are you gonna do, take take uh Ryan Hall down, and you know, let him go to work because that's where he wants to be on his back on the ground.
2: Yeah, literally, <laughs> Ryan Hall will lay down on the mat and just say, "Come, come in. I'll yeah. give you talk I'll give He'll you top guard time. right
1: away." I mean, it's a BJJ match out there.
2: So we took, I took Ryan Hall by submission at plus 130 odds.
1: Yeah, I got Hall plus 130 for sub or just to finish, 110, plus 110. I like that, actually. Yeah. I might just do that. Because, you know, I don't think he's going to get a knockout by any means, but Doesn't it, it gives you more opportunity for pretty close to the same odds.
2: It's kind of funny when you look at Ryan Hall, he looks like a guy you would just, like, see in the library.
1: Yeah, until he's choking you to death.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he just looks like a really like normal-looking guy. Like, yeah,
1: he, he looks like a nerd, but he'll kill me.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, the next fight in the prelims, uh, Alex Perez will take on Matt Schnell. Uh, Perez has only lost twice in the UFC to very big names. He's lost to Joseph Benavidez and Figueredo, who is now the champion. Or, excuse me. Former champion. He's now a former champion. Uh, lost his belt recently to... Uh, Brandon Moreno. Yeah,
1: trilogy coming up soon.
2: Yeah, that'll be a fun. January. Moment. Yeah, I mean the fact that he had, had the opportunity to face both of these guys, Joe Benavidez in a title eliminator who he lost to, obviously, and then Figueroa actually in a title fight where he was submitted rather quickly. But uh, Alex Perez, um, his focus is entirely on kickboxing. He's a very good kickboxer. Chanel has really good jiu-jitsu, but has very weak wrestling.
1: Yeah. Oh, I okay. I remember Schnell's last fight was um, shoot. wasn't it? It was a two fight Figueiredo If they didn't run it back with Moreno, I believe so. Yeah. So I yeah. I remember that fight. Um, but like you said, he's got good jiu jitsu, weak wrestling. If you would you think you will be able to take Perez down,
2: I mean, Matt Schnell's takedown accuracy only at thirty three percent versus Alex Perez' takedown defense at eighty seven percent. I don't see. Um, I don't really see Matt Chanel being able to use any type of wrestling to try and take him down. I think the only way this fight goes to the ground is if Alex Perez initiates that, but he has a clear advantage on the feet. I don't see why he would bother doing that. Yeah,
1: as long as he can uh, fend off the takedowns, he should have a, a nice snipe for himself.
2: I think so too, and I, I, think Pat, I think Alex Perez keeps the fight standing, uses his leg kicks, and picks him apart from the outside. Uh, I took Perez by decision here at plus 120. Yeah, I didn't have anything on this
1: one, but now that we're talking about it, I'll probably take the same. Especially if Perez is the underdog. I mean he's he's not. Plus one twenty. Oh by decision, by, decision? by decision. Yeah, my bad. Uh no 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 no, no. no I got a bunch. Hmm? Huh? Uh, yes. Alright. Really? Uh, yeah. But it's not, not fantastic odds. I I was picked this one out as part of a parlay pro- possibly. Hmm. Um I've got Fear the Miranda Maverick.
2: One of the worst nicknames.
1: I mean Maverick would be a sick nickname if it wasn't her last name.
2: Yeah, but like fear, though, is just yeah.
1: stupid. But still, um, I got her decision win against uh, Aaron Blanchfield. It's minus 137, but if you pair it with a couple others and put it in a parlay, it could help you out. Because honestly, I think um, Maverick is just going to dominate the fight on the feet. Um, she's got a whole lot of power, and I believe... She is the um, just the bigger stature. I don't know. I don't think Aaron Blanchfield is going to go for a takedown against uh, Maverick. I I it just I just don't see her winning. I think Maverick's just straight up the better fighter.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know too much about Aaron Blanchfield. I kind of stayed away from this just because of how close the odds were and how little I knew about Blanchfield. I think mm-hmm. she only has two fights in the.
1: uh one.
2: She has yeah. She has yeah. one fight in the UFC, and I. I didn't watch it. I, I, I kind of saw this, and I thought this was arguably the closest fight on paper in the prelims. Yeah. Yeah, it will. It, it probably will be close, but I don't know. I mean, th- that's the whole reason I didn't want to take it. Yeah. I, I didn't see any.
1: I liked it. I like Miranda Maverick. I think she's pretty solid. I don't know what she's ranked or if she's ranked. She's not ranked. She's not? Okay. But, yeah, I, I got her minus 137. That's barstool odds.
2: It, uh, it does mention. It, it does go without mentioning, though, that Miranda Maverick is stepping in on short notice for ooh. Macy Barber. Shit. Should <laughs> have sure looked at the news. I'm
1: still gonna ride with her. Why not? Yeah, I got that one too. And uh, up next, I am gonna take a. I feel like a little bit risky of an underdog, Eric Anders against Andre Bounous, if that's how you say it. Um, it's just a light heavyweight fight. Um, honestly, I've watched Anders fight over the past couple of years. He's not a huge name. Uh, not a lot of people know about him. He is a former Alabama linebacker mm. turn fighter. Um, so, yeah, I, I've watched him fight two or three of his last ones. That might be his entire tenure in the UFC. But I really like this guy's uh, stand-up game, even against against some of these guys that are just fantastic on their feet. He's contending with them and staying in the fight. Um, he's he's got a really great chin and he's tough as fuck. Um, I honestly he might. Let's show me it real quick. Scroll down for me. I can keep going. You do it. And, well, I don't know how to use your computer. He's got some. He doesn't use takedowns a whole lot, but he does have uh, decent accuracy and good defense. If Muniz tries to take it to the ground, and I have a feeling if Anders just has to tough it out on the feet, he's going to get the W. I got him at plus 120.
2: All right, so that'll round out the early prelims. I mean, those are just our picks for the early prelims. Yeah. Um. So mm-hmm. I, on to the next one that we took. We skipped the Jordan Wright versus Bruno Silva fight. I didn't really like any of the yeah, odds on I have that. I
1: no idea what the fuck is going to happen in that one.
2: <laughs> I I think, I really think, Bruno Silva is going to win that fight, but um, just one I kind of just wanted to stay away from. Uh, The next one I took was a uh, Tai Tuivasa against Augusto Sakai. Um, For me, I I think Tai Tuivasa has looked better recently than Sakai. Um, Sakai has kind of been a guy who just will continually march forward and just relies on his chin. Uh, and in the heavyweight division, kind of a riskier, a very risky thing to do, especially these guys that have power. And I think his chin is starting to kind of, you know, you talk to a lot of these fighters as they get older, that chin starts to go away. That health starts to deteriorate a bit on their chin. And, you know, he has lost his his most recent knockout losses against Jarzinho Rosenstrake and uh, horse meat eating Alistair Uberine. Uh, suggests that it, it, his chin... I just, miss Ubering. Suggests that really his chin's starting to give away. Let's talk about another guy with a, a glass jaw towards the end of his career. Um, I mean, we all know Taisu Vasa does have issues on the ground, but it's not like Sakai's really been that great at takedowns. I mean, you look at his numbers, he's 50% on takedowns, but he's only one for two Yeah. in his entire UFC career.
1: Yeah, I don't think this one's going to the ground at all. So
2: really for me, that suggests that... Augusto Sakaya has zero zero game plan to take this fight to the ground. I think this one's going to be a stand-and-bang fight where two ivasa is going to be able to kind of cut off the cage, get Sakai all over to the fence, and really just start putting in work. Yeah, I mean, uh, you got him by KO.
1: jeez, uh, geez, Ivasa by KO at plus 140. Honestly, I was just going to do a, a pick him. They're both at minus 112. Um, I feel like you're going to be... It should be okay with either of those bets. Um, but I'm leaning more towards the
2: KO right now. I mean, we've also lived wins every fight by knockout that he wins. Yeah. I-, I mean, it's, it's really like 92% of his wins are by knockout. He has one decision <laughs> win. So Jeez.
1: I don't know how he made it three rounds.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so on to the next fight into the prelim, we have Dominic Cruz, a hall of famer taking on Pedro Munoz. Um, for me, this is a pretty exciting fight, too. I, I, I'm I really looking forward to this one. I think Dominic Cruz comes out on top. I'm going to take Dominic Cruz's money line because I think the footwork of Dominic Cruz is going to cause a lot of problems for Pedro Munoz. Pedro Munoz has experienced issues with guys that can move around really well. Um, that includes Algernon Sterling and Frankie Edgar. I mean, if you watch, if you were to watch that Algernon Sterling-Pedro Munoz fight, he basically just ran circles around Munoz. Yeah. Munoz cannot cut off the cage to save his life. He's, yeah. he's good at striking. He's a good wrestler. Um, but he just he refuses to cut off the cage. And
1: mm-hmm. see, I didn't touch this one because I didn't know. I mean, Dom's a little older. Um, and I, I feel like if Pedro can land a couple calf kicks, he might be able to slow him down enough to catch him. Um, but if he's not going to cut him off, he's probably not going to win this fight, especially if Dominic Cruz is moving as we know he does.
2: Yeah, and I, I mean, that you do share a fair point that I think Dominic Cruz, as his career has gone on, as he's aged, um, his joints haven't quite held up the way that I, I would assume he would like. But um, I really think he's not going to be able to... Re- I don't think Pedro Munoz is going to be able to really make too much contact with Dominic Cruz. I think Dominic Cruz is going to be able to stay on the outside and just pick him apart, um, use, that, use that footwork that he's been known for, kind of that weird... He's weird always been, style. He's always been very strange on the feet.
1: Yeah, very strange on the feet and really knows how to mix in the takedowns well with his footwork and the strikes. Uh you know, jab, right, jab, jab straight into a, um a knee pass, you know, a double leg, single leg, you know, he he really transitions well. I just hope we see the old Dominic Cruz tonight or on Saturday night.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I think I I think I'm gonna take Dominic Cruz on this one. Um, I took his money line at plus 100. It's basically a pick 'em. Uh, uh, this will also be a close. This this is a close one too. I think, but I feel confident in Dominic Cruz uh, being able to understand the game plan. Yeah.
1: Let's see. And then I will say, so this one is a toss up. To be honest with you, for me, like in my head, I could see either guy winning: Josh Emmett versus Dan Ige. Um, I just can't see Dan Ige's name without betting on him. I mean, it, it's something about him. He's he's just a dog, man. As
2: opposed to what Josh Emmett, the dude, the dude averages, the dude averages more than one knockdown per per fight.
1: I don't know, man. I, something about Dan. I I don't have a whole lot of logic behind this one because it clearly it doesn't make any sense. He's not the favorite. He's the underdog. But I just dynamite. I mean, come on! But he just—he just knocked the fuck out of somebody.
2: I didn't end up taking this one, but if I were—I were to take Josh Emmett on this, I think he's his power and the amount of strikes that he can land in a single—the amount of strikes that he lands compared to Dan Ige, I would think for me it's pretty similar. Take, it's very similar. <laughs> don't get me wrong, but I think Josh Emmett is it, is in better form. Um, he won his—I believe he won his previous fight um, as opposed to. Dan Ige coming off a loss. I I I don't know. I don't see I don't see Dan Ige winning this one.
1: Either way, it's a standing and bang and whoever gets that big shot first is probably going to win. Yeah. And I, I just pray to God it's Dan Ige.
2: I think it's going to be a really fun fight to watch, um, but I'm I would go Josh Emmett on this. I didn't take this one though.
1: I'll stick with Ige for now. For now. And and, uh, and on Saturday. Fuck it. <laughs> it's this is my fuck it bet for the weekend.
2: All right, so that will round out the prelims. Moving on to the main card where Sean O'Malley will take on Rulian Piava. Uh, I I really don't have much to say on this other than I'm not going to touch this one. Yeah,
1: my only thought is don't fucking touch it. Even if you go Sugar by finish or TKO, KO, or DQ, they're both plus 100. It's probably going to happen, but I I don't want to fucking touch it. I'll probably turn the broadcast off when this one comes on. Watch, I, watch I mean, something I won't, else. I'm not turn it off. I'll no. still watch it. But like, f- it's- Ooh, ugh, f- I'm not gonna say it, but you know my feelings about
2: O'Malley. I mean, don't. Yeah, I mean, kind of he's a shithead, but like, he's entertaining as hell. Yeah. You don't think he's entertaining? He's
1: entertaining, but not worth a watch. For me personally.
2: <laughs> You're just an old man.
1: No, it's see, I like when guys stand out in a crowd too, like Adesanya. Uh, and you know, a couple of I can't fucking think of anything off the top of my head, but I think there's a certain point. And um, you know, he's a young guy. I think he might be younger than us. Mm-hmm. And so I, I mean, I think about myself when I was younger. I was a real fucking idiot. But I don't know, man. I just feel like in a professional setting, there's limits. And I feel like he's crossed that line in the public eye a few too many times with his words. But that's just me.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really think, uh, I mean, if you want, I I guess you can take Sean O'Malley and you can kind of pick a round that you think he's going to finish it. If yeah. you... It's not
1: going all three, though. I'll say that.
2: No, there's. I think Sean O'Malley going to finish the fight. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be a decision. Yeah. But if that's the case, you might as well take Sean O'Malley by knockout. I don't have anything written for this just because I don't want
1: to. Yeah, I, I mean, it's plus 100, which is not bad. But you knew the odds weren't going to be. Plus 250 for him to get a finish.
2: No. And, and, I mean, the the thing that really frightened me away from taking Sean O'Malley by knockout was that Piazza's majority of his fights do go the distance. So, you know, if that's the case, the guy probably has a chin on him.
1: Yeah, but uh, as much as I dislike O'Malley, he does have some fu- fucking unique striking. And I feel like he can knock... Just about anybody out in that weight division.
2: Yeah, and for me, Piava's only chance of winning this fight is to be able to get inside, um, kind of really dictate what happens in the pocket. But Sean O'Malley's so good. Long. He's so long. He keeps guys at bay so well. And even when the fights do end up in the pocket, um, I mean, he's, he's striking so good that it doesn't really matter. Yeah,
1: outside of Cheeto Vera.
2: Yeah, I only
1: bring that up because yeah, I'm, I'm petty like that.
2: I do like Cheeto Vera too. Yeah, I, I love Cheeto. So next right. fight in the main event, Kai Car France will take on Cody Garbrandt. Um, I I like Kai Car France in this one.
1: So I haven't placed anything on this one yet because I want to actually come on here and talk to you about it because here's my main concern: Cody Garbrandt's fighting at 125 for the first time in his career in the UFC. I don't, like I mentioned, I believe it was last week, he doesn't cut a lot of weight anyway to get to 135, but I'm always curious, being a wrestler who cut a lot of weight in his day, how someone looks when they end up cutting a more significant amount than what they're used to. So I want to talk to you about this one before I made any decisions because I obviously Cody Garbrandt's a hell of a fighter and I expect him to show out just as he always does. But I just don't I don't know if he's if he's gonna look as good at one twenty five as he did at one thirty five. And he's coming off a loss too.
2: Yeah, he is. I mean, I I don't know. for me, I think I'm less concerned about him coming down in weight. He was never really one of the bigger Bantam weights. Yeah. I, I, he wasn't the smallest Bantam weight, but he wasn't yeah. one of the bigger it, ones so. He only
1: cuts about ten pounds to make thirty five, I believe.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's that Big of a deal. I think Cody Garbrandt's pedigree has shown that he can fight. Um, I, I wouldn't be too worried about that yeah. so much. I mean,
1: in the bright lights, I
2: I think he'll show out. But I, it's something in my head. I, I for me, I think this is going to be a pretty good kickboxing fight. I mean, Cody Garbrandt does have a ground game. Um, that being said, though, I think Kai France, even though Cody Garbrandt is coming down um, to his weight class, I I think, I believe Kai Car France is longer and therefore he should use his kickboxing. He should use, if you if you guys watch the Rob Font versus Cody Garbrandt fight, Rob Font did such a good job of controlling the distance, using that jab, and I think, you know, Kaikara France is so, he's, he's he works at city kickboxing. He trains out of city kickboxing. If you guys aren't aware, that's where uh, Israel Adesanya, Alexander Volkanovsky, all these guys that are so... Brad Riddell. Yeah, Brad- <laughs> <laughs> all these guys that, you know, they're known for their precision striking. You know, and I think... The way that Kai Car France is going to win this fight is going to be off. You know, Cody Garbrandt trying to use that right hand that he's kind of known for. Um, and, and then Kai Car France being able to, you know, slip, counter, and, and be able to tag Cody Garbrandt, get back to range, use leg kicks, and just kind of pick him apart.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, honestly, um, oh, shoot, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, I'm
2: sorry. Yeah. <laughs> You're fine friend, with it. Kai Car France also has a very good right hand. I, I don't think that should be discounted. And like we said, you know, Cody Garbrandt does have pretty good wrestling, but Kai France does have an 86% takedown defense. Nothing to scuff at. Um, a very well-rounded guy. But I mean, his his kickboxing ability I think is really going to show out here. And I think his he's going to be able to negate Cody Garbrandt's right hand. Yeah.
1: And I I remember what I was going to say. There's no secret to why Cody Garbrandt dropped down to 125.
2: He wasn't he, going anywhere. Yeah, in that, he, that
1: division. Well, not only that, he wants a title shot at 125 against the, what will be the winner of the trilogy between Figgy and Moreno. Um, so obviously, he comes down. He's going to fight a fantastic challenger in France. But Kaikar France could really elevate himself by getting a win on Saturday and possibly getting that being next in line for a title fight.
2: Absolutely. This is a very sneaky good fight to watch. Um, I, I think uh, it'll be a banger. I'm expecting some 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 really good striking in that fight. Um, so to the third fight of the main card, we have Jeff Neal taking on Santiago Ponzinibbio. Um, Jeff Neal, as we mentioned earlier, was arrested on Thanksgiving, but I guess not too <laughs> relevant to the fight, but I, I'm probably going to be rooting against him. But that and I kind of like Ponzinibbio. He's been around a long time, has a lot of finishes, um, has finished some really good names uh in, in this division um that includes uh Baeza and Neil Magny
1: yeah honestly I didn't touch this one um Neil's coming off a loss I believe and I think Ponzinibbio is his game as they come um I also think he's a, like a very sneaky good striker he's, oh yeah. I think he's really good on his feet um He's like he's one of the only two Argentines in the UFC. Not that that really matters for anything, but yeah, I
2: I like him. I didn't touch it, so I'll let you run with this one. So yeah, like like Mike said, they're both both these guys are really dangerous strikers. I think Ponzinibbio needs to rely on his footwork and be able to feint and kind of work his way inside the pocket against the longer fighter in Jeff Neal. Um, I think it, it really it kind of comes down to. Santiago Ponzinibbio being able to get into the pocket, being able to pressure Jeff Neal, get him on the back foot, um, and l- like we say, just really make him feel your presence. Yeah, and
1: I feel like he's going to get started with some leg kicks too. He's got some a really good kicking game, if I remember correctly.
2: I think the only real, the only real thing I'm fearing here is that Neal is longer. Um, if Jeff Neal can establish that leg kick early and kind of hinder the movement of Santiago Ponzinibbio and not allow Ponzinibbio into the pocket... Um, you know, I'd worry more about Ponzinibbio rushing in and getting caught with, yeah, getting caught with a big strike at the end because Jeff Neal, don't get, I mean, don't get it twisted. He has dangerous hands. Yeah. He is a powerful dude. And if his if, last
1: fight was against Wonderboy, wasn't it?
2: Yes. He, yeah. he did lose against Wonderboy. Uh, both of them in their last three fights have beaten Mike Perry. Um, but Ponzinibbio Branding. recently beat Neil Magny and, uh, Jeff Neal has lost had lost to Neil Magny, and Ponzinibbio knocked out Neil Magny in a very convincing win. Used his leg kicks, kinda of disable him, put him up against the fence and just hit him with a hook and just put him to sleep. He fell face first.
1: Yeah, I feel like I, I could be wrong, but I feel like Neil and Magni have very similar games. Um
2: but,
1: you know, I feel like Jeff Neal is definitely uses his striking more. But they're both big dudes for their division. Um, very similar. And, you know, if Ponzanibio can use the same game plan, maybe adjust here and there a few other places, I bet he could get the win.
2: Yeah, so I like, I, like I said, I like Santiago Ponzanibio. I took Nibio's money line at minus 130 on DraftKings. Um, I think he gets it done.
1: Yeah, I think you just convinced me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, on to the co main event of the night. Amanda Nunez will defend her strap against number three ranked Juliana Pena, the Chicago native. Or excuse me, Chicago resident. Uh oh, trains out of Bensonville, Illinois. Um kind of a cool little tidbit there, but um for me I'm I'm not betting this I man is basically on a no bet list yeah. for me. It,
1: I mean it's it's a another land to the slaughter. Um I will say this, this is another fuck it bet, so this will be my second one. I'm gonna bet Nunes by sub plus three fifty on Barstool. Um my reasoning for this is I know Juliana Pena believes she can get Nunez to the ground and take her down and have her way with her, you know, fighter's confidence. Um, not to discredit her at all. She's a fantastic fighter in her own right. But in my head, I think Nunez is just going to be like, fuck you. Um, I'm going to take you down, and I'm going to beat the shit out of you and sub you. I would sp- if you are going to bet on this, I would sprinkle it. Maybe five bucks, maybe if you want to do it at all. But that's another fucking pick for me.
2: I yeah I I.
1: Or she just knocks her cold out in the first minute. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know
2: how. I think Amanda Nunes just kind of like walks in there and like she gets the first round and just goes, "Yeah, I'm gonna win this fight." This way, and just kind of nice. like yeah, yeah, she can kind of
1: pick and choose how she wants to do it.
2: Like she gets bored with knocking people out. She's like, ah, oh, I'm gonna sub Megan Anderson. Yeah, because I was tired of beating her face in. Yeah, and
1: she it, wouldn't go down either. But yeah,
2: yeah. but like, I, I do think Juliana Pena does present the 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 greatest challenge at the moment to Amanda Nunes for the bantamweight division. Um, but that's not saying much. No, <laughs> no. Uh, I. I said, kind of screw it. I think if if I was going to make a bet on this, I won't take this. So if it happens, I won't take credit for it. Um, Amanda Nunes by knockout in the second round for plus four hundred. Uh, but
1: yeah, that's I mean, that's not bad.
2: Even then, I'm like, you know, yeah,
1: even then, you're like, yeah, she could just do it in the first. Why not? She could
2: do it in the first. She she <laughs> might submit her in the third. Look, like, I I don't know. Like it, she she the only thing the only thing Juliana Pena can really do that I think. Can really, um, that that has proven Amanda Nunes has problems with is her cardio.
0: Yeah,
2: you know, Amanda Nunes in the fight against Jermaine Duran. Jermaine Duran to me, I can never shake With that one, it's because I don't like her. But that's she, true. I mean, credit to her. That was the toughest fight that Amanda Nunes has had since becoming champion. She took her into deep waters, and even though Amanda Nunes was winning that fight fairly convincingly. Uh, that was the most problems that Amanda Nunes had. She was on her back at one point. Um, I, I think at one point, Durandami had her arm and was looking for a submission. Uh, so I think Juliana Pena does present a unique challenge for Amanda Nunes and one that I don't think she can take lightly.
1: Yeah, one that she probably hasn't seen in a long time.
2: But I, I still don't see. Her. Yeah,
1: I still don't see how she can win. Yeah, but I don't b- see Best that. of luck. Shit, why not?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, for us... Just sit back, watch the greatest women's fighter of all time because before you know it these guys are going to be gone and yeah. yeah. Just just sit back and watch. Uh all right, so the main event, Charles Oliveira will take on Dustin Poirier for the lightweight title. Um obviously Dustin Poirier coming off a two fight win streak against Conor McGregor and Charles Oliveira taking the vacant strap um against a, in a fight against uh, Michael Chandler where he Found himself in some trouble and then secured the knockout in the second round. Uh, I, I don't know. My my brain says Charles Oliveira, because Dustin Poirier has been taken down by guys who are far less wrestlers than.
1: I don't think Charles. it's going to the ground, yeah. at, in all five rounds. I think it'll be a kickboxing match. Um, and if that's the case, we know Charles is clean. He's very clean. We saw that against Chandler. Um,
2: but, but Dustin Poirier might be the best boxer in the UFC. Yeah, and
1: he, the way he's been using his kicks as of late, too, has really changed his game uh, and improved it a lot. I it, Probably standing bang might be a, a pretty sloppy fight ending up that way. I don't think he goes all five rounds. Not that I'm going to bet that. Um, but I don't know. I, I Right now, I have Dustin Moneyline. It's not the best odds. It's minus one fifty nine. He is the favorite against the champ uh, as of today, Thursday. Um, I don't know. I have a whole lot of faith in Dustin Poirier. I think he's been the second best fighter in the lightweight division uh, since Habib became the champion. Um, I don't. I think he's going to be in tremendous shape. We know Mike Brown is in his corner, um, who is a fantastic coach. Not that once the cage is locked, he's got to make his own adjustments and do his own thing, but I really think if this thing stays standing, Poirier is gonna win.
2: Absolutely, I think. I think Dustin Poirier has proven through him fighting the elite of the elite of the lightweight division that he is willing and is able to to beat these these extremely talented fighters. Um, again, my problem is that Charles Oliveira is a he's a jiu-jitsu ace. He's yeah. so good at submission. He can I mean, he, sub you from anywhere. He holds the all-time record for submission finishes. He holds the all-time record for finishes. He he's a guy who you know when you think about it, you 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 look at his numbers and you think this guy has to be one of the best fighters of all time and he just won the belt.
1: Yeah, I mean he had a, like Bisping had a super long journey to the belt. Um we, honestly, we could see him really shine in these next couple of years. You know, if he even if he loses against Poirier, he's still right there, and he can always get it back. But it, honestly, I'm really excited for this one. Um, I, like I said, I don't think he goes all five. I don't exactly know who's gonna win, but I'm gonna ride with Poirier.
2: I'm stumped on this. Um, I I'm a big fan of Dustin Poirier. I think the way that I'm a big he, fan of both of these guys. Yeah, I, lo- I yeah I don't get don't get me wrong. Big fan of both of them. i I think I'm a bigger fan of Poirier. Um, so I, I want, I I really want to bet Poirier, but I, I, but I don't want to see him lose. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I know Poirier is an interim champ, a former interim champ, but for some reason, I really want to see him cap off because obviously he's not going to retire after this fight, but I really want to see him get that undisputed strap and really cement himself as a champion, not that he already isn't because he is, but get the unders- undisputed strap. I would love to see it, and I might be betting with my heart a little bit here,
2: but I, yeah, I just, I love the guy. He's awesome. I'm actually gonna make a pick on the fly. I'm gonna say under two and a half rounds.
1: <laughs> I kind of like that. I mean, with the pace that Poirier puts on guys, sometimes too, he might be able to make it dirty early, and just get you know end up with a KO or. While they're dry, Oliveira might be able to get them in a guillotine or take him to the ground and really go to work before the sweat starts going.
2: Yeah, I, this one's such a tough one to pick. I I, I don't know. So, yeah.
1: Well, I look forward to it either way.
2: Yeah, I, I for me, this is more of uh, just being a UFC fan. I, I may not even put a bet on this one. I'll probably do the under two and a half rounds just to see a finish. Uh, but um, – I'm I'm more of a fan of this. I just want to sit back and watch it and just see what happens and root for Poirier on you know without any money on it. But yeah. I guess that doesn't mean much to our our friends that are and, and the listeners who want to bet money.
1: on That's it. true. That's true. This <laughs> is a betting podcast.
2: Yeah. So I, I'm going under two and a half rounds. I think I'm gonna ride with Poirier money line. Uh. All right. I mean that. I I'm looking forward to this. Like we said, super stacked card here. A lot of fights. This took a lot of research. I, I, I don't know if you guys really understand how much time me and Mike put into this, and especially for a, a card that's so evenly matched. I mean, even um, looking at the betting odds, trying to find value in certain picks and trying to find, um, you know, ways that guys are going to win or, or girls that are going to win. Um, you know, it, this takes a lot of time and, and, and effort, and, I, I you know, First of all, Mike, thanks. Uh, thanks for you know always putting in that effort. I really do appreciate yeah. it. Well,
1: I will. I will admit my shortcomings,
2: but I ain't
1: fucking around no more. <laughs> Let's get after it.
2: Time to start betting, Michael. So yeah, I think there's gonna be some finishes. There's definitely gonna be some bangers on this card. I don't think. Uh, I I don't think this is gonna be a long fight event just because of how many finishes I I have on this. Yeah, it honestly
1: it, a short one would be nice not that I don't like watching fights but you know sometimes on a Saturday I'd like to get to bed before 1 1 in the morning you know <laughs> But yeah no like actually I won't even be able to sleep after this one I hope not the, Yeah I mean it, I can honestly foresee a a really really good card to close out not that this is the last fight card of the year but this is the last pay-per-view of the year I expect to see an awesome closing um, pay-per-view for the year of 2021. Yeah, 2021. <laughs> COVID's got me all messed up, man. Oh, man. It's not
2: even nine an o'clock, and Mike's ready for bed. Um, yeah, the, like 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 Mike said, last pay-per-view of the year, and UFC's done such a wonderful job of putting on these, uh, these pay-per-view cards and making them super entertaining, so I'd, I don't see this being anything less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, I am excited to confirm with you guys that we do have interest from the pro fighter. Um, called him the other day, and he mentioned that he was excited to get on. He actually wanted to come on for this one. Um, he, did, he he ended up uh, con- you know he ended up having some some prior engagements, so he wasn't able to come on. But uh, before the January card, I think we're going to schedule either an in person or a Zoom interview with him, and we'll pick his brain on the the upcoming card. Uh, but yeah, I'm,
1: I'll get tested for that one to be in person.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for this to be able to pick a guy's mind who's been in the cage.
1: Yeah. I mean, like like we've mentioned, like we've never fought before. You know we don't know what it's like to actually make the walk and it'll be super, super cool in my opinion to actually get an opinion to um, from a guy that has done it. I'm super excited. and yeah. knowing the guy a little bit too, He's really awesome, and I couldn't be more excited.
2: I like that you use make the make the walk there. That was nice.
1: It's like in the movie when they say the title. It's like breaking the third wall. Yeah, <laughs> I'm staring at the camera right now. Yep. Even though there isn't one.
2: <laughs> All right, so I that I mean I don't really have much else. Do do you guys do you? Um. Oh
1: yeah, I did want to mention. So I talked to my old man. Uh, he is in. So oh, at nice. some point. We will have Big Mike on the podcast. Um, due to some, uh, I want to, I'll just say health issues. Uh, it might be later rather than sooner in that case. Um, there's some things we got to clear up and get taken care of, uh, on that side of things. Uh, so yeah, it's when we do get him on, I expect to have a lot of fun with him. Um, you know, I've heard stories about his childhood and his young adulthood, but I expect to get some better ones through this.
2: <laughs> yeah, that'll be a cool interview to get your dad on. But um, you know, before we sign off, I want to I want to thank Jason for coming on. You know, giving us his time uh, to be on the podcast and giving us that interview again. I uh, hope you guys really enjoyed that, and we're I'm hoping that he wants to come back on.
1: Yeah, I think uh, the last, when we saw him a couple weeks ago, I mentioned, hey man, like let's just fucking run with it next time you're home. Why not? You know, and we might even have uh, Justice give us a little guest <laughs> appearance. Uh, but once again, thanks to Jason, we really appreciate that. It was uh, super fun. And, you know, and for a guy that doesn't live too far, but hard to, for him to come home, especially with his parents not living in the state anymore. Always good to talk to him and learn more about him.
2: All right, guys, that's been that was our fourth episode of Making the Walk, uh, where we cover 269. Uh, Mike, let's make some money.
1: Let's fucking go.
2: Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon.